First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So Who cares about what people think about us. Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. We are live here on YouTube, as always, on Thursdays, previewing all of the Week 10 action. So, welcome in. Let's get into it, huh? How you doing, Sam? <laughs> oh, I missed that. That was a bad intro again. That was a, that's like back-to-back bad intros. That was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> start to finish, that was a mess. Well done. Yeah. yeah. And my voice is... Cracking. I, yeah, it's just... A little raspy. Uh, I got a little... Like, if I was... If I was, uh, you know, changing plays at the line of scrimmage, I might have a little Kirk voice. You would, yeah, happening. full Kirk. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Blue 28! Ah! You know, yeah, it'd, be, yeah. it'd be rough. I'm all right. So drag, drag me through the pod here today. Went to the uh, the batting cage last night with Rick. Oh, nice. It was fun. I'm, I'm, I remain confident now that I will be connecting with a ball. I'm not going to swing and miss on 10 straight. I have, however... I, my confidence, you know, right at the beginning, I was like, oh, mega catch one, you know, fire it off into the distance. I'm pretty sure that's gone. That's a pipe dream. It, that was never going to happen. But I'm, you know, I'm reasonably confident now that I can connect on a ball. And that's all I'm shooting for here. Just not embarrassment. Like 0-10 would be bad. Particularly 0-10 that's then followed by having a catch one that you're firing at me as a catcher. I hear your confidence, and now I'm going to train even harder. Uh, well... <laughs> By training even harder, do you mean you might train? We'll throw again. Once? We'll throw again. I've already thrown. Was that, is that just, do that's you want not just training. fastballs or am I breaking out splits and sliders? If I throw a slider, you got a shot. That pitch is brutal. <laughs> if I throw you a slider, you have a chance. Yeah? Because it's going to come in slower and it's supposed to move, but yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. What's the one? So what have you got? Give me the, what's the repertoire? Fastball, slider, splitter. What's the Now, splitter? could I throw a changeup or a curve? Sure. Could do that too. What's the splitter? So the splitter is kind of like a faster changeup, and uh, so it comes in looking like a fastball, then it drops. Okay. Fastballs are generally that's the one faster I don't and want. straighter. Don't throw me that one. Splitter is going to hit big, droppy one. Don't want that one. Okay. The other the two slider, I'm okay with. 
the slider is supposed to move down and away but from you, but it just spins okay. and so stays the, straight. The slider or the fastball, yeah. I'm good with. Yeah. The the splitter, I don't want that one. Yeah. Because my problem is, given that it's all based off a golf swing, I swing in one plane. I don't have the yeah, upper My down. slider could hit your plane. My, my <laughs> slider is what they would call a cement mixer. Okay. Right? So it just kind of, you know, just kind of spins. It's bad. I'm just saying, I don't have the adjustment for, like, height. You know, if it if it comes in at the right height, I'm good. If it doesn't, I don't have the like up or down. It's like this thing, right? This thing, there's a a tilt on it, so you can move the mic up or down. I don't have yeah. that with my swing. So if your if your thing moves, I'm not going to hit it. If it I moves did, up or down, you did send me videos. Um, I, I I've got your swing path scouted. Oh yeah, and ready to go. So you uh, say that like it's a consistent thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you said, it is kind of yeah. It's in the same path. Yeah, it's going to be tough. You want to keep the you want to keep the barrel through the zone as long as possible. I mean, look, people are giving me pointers on this swing as if there's any hope whatsoever of me implementing feedback between now and whenever we do this. Yeah, you got you got some time. I, I no. Let's lock this in next week. We're doing it. Yeah. Okay. We'll lock it in. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to show up to a field and we're doing it. There's people like upstairs that are like, "What are you doing this?" Because I want to watch and like my relatives want to watch. I'm like, this is not like a freak show. We're building it up. It kind of is a bit of a freak show. Look, it, I mean, look, if people are coming to watch me get beaned in the head by a ball, it, it, there's like an entry fee. You need to go and donate a hundred dollars to this thing. Yeah, yeah. That's Otherwise, forget about it. Go get I'm not money. like taking a, a ball to the nuts just for fun. Like this is we're raising money for charity here. That's the whole point in this. And you got to catch me with the gear. So you're gonna have to know my pitches when you're catching me. One fastball, wiggle split, three slider. You got to know. No, I think pitches. like the actual catch. I'm not worried about the catching part of it. That feels. That feels easier. Yeah. It's just hand-eye core. I can do Especially that. If I can catch 62. things. Well, yeah. But I can, like, I can catch things. Right. I'm we gotta, not concerned about that. We've got to do football. we got to talk football. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. Week 10. We've already, we've already previewed Thursday night. Done. That's one game, man. Baltimore-Miami. So we See? did that on the Wednesday podcast. That We're already yesterday. flying through the football. Yeah. So we already got one game done. Two hours to go. Uh, as always, we'll start with some of the biggest games of the week, starting with the Cleveland Browns at the New England Patriots. Patriots favored by two. At home, both running back rooms are uh, Patriots are in uh, multiple running backs in concussion protocol. The Browns have multiple running backs in COVID protocol. So, what? Look at that graphic. Look mm. at that. Mm. Big time. Wow. Browns at Patriots. Again, if you're listening, you can't hear this. But we no, you can't. You can see it on we YouTube. We now have fancy graphics. You should go YouTube. check out the YouTube feed. And, and it's the helmets, as my kids like to say. The helmets at the Patriots. What are you looking for in this game? The helmets at the Patriots. They call them the helmets, yeah. Okay. All right. Um... These two teams are sort of interestingly mirror images of each other. Like, they both want to establish the run. They both have good offensive lines, particularly in the run game. They both have quarterbacks that you are not 100% confident in if they have to do too much for different reasons. Um, One of them is a rookie. The other one is Baker Mayfield. Uh, They both have pretty good defenses. I would say the Browns have a better overall defense, but the Patriots have Bill Belichick, so there's some kind of... Um, boost to that it actually becomes quite an interesting game because of that the, the real fascinating thing to me is like how much of last week was real how much of post obj baker mayfield is real you know was that was that just a thing that happened that fits the narrative and therefore we're running with it or is that genuinely some freakish combination of chemicals that just does not work i have a bad feeling that all of our uh, contents this week might look stupid at the end of this week, right? OBJ's the re- you know, that, he's the reason, and I, I know we weren't we weren't overreacting to one game. 
because it's it's multiple years of this stuff. But the way the Patriots' defense is playing, uh, much better as far as uh, the pass game goes. I know, I know they've played Zach Wilson slash backup Mike White in one game. Zach Wilson in a full game. Sam Darnold. I know they haven't played uh, the best quarterbacks. Uh, they did face Tom Brady. They did face Dak Prescott. So there's been a mix. But they've had a lot of success against some of those lesser quarterbacks throughout the year. Uh, but I think the Patriots' defense is rounding into you know old-school Patriots' defense form. In a league where there aren't elite defenses, the Patriots have been pretty consistent and have become one of the better ones. So I have a feeling we might come out of this game not as confident in the Browns' passing attack as we were last week against the Bengals. I mean, a big part of it is you know, based off the back of play action and, and having a good run game. And now that they don't have any running backs, that could be an issue. Now, look, they still have Dearness Johnson, who the last time he was the one running back they had available, racked up, what, like 146 yards or whatever it was. He's great, yeah. So I'm not, you, you can't dismiss the idea that with that offensive line, they will roll regardless. But if the Patriots are able to shut down that run game, that in, in itself makes the pass game less uh, formidable. The Browns uh, locked up both guards today on the PFF NFL Daily. We break it down. You might be uh, discouraged to click on a, a nice guard discussion, but it was a good one. I thought it was a good discussion about you know the Browns, their strategy, their team building strategy, and uh, you know again I, I made the point that a lot of times we talk about uh, you know, these axioms, these things that we would do, win in the pass game or stock up on receivers. I, as I mentioned on the daily today, I made a statement the other day. I said, offensive linemen don't score points, which is true. Uh, but there are certain teams that rely on their offensive line more, and I think that's a big part of what the Browns have done here. They say, look, we do want to run the ball. It is a huge part of our game. We do run play action off of that. We want to have a good offensive line. So they've done that. They've locked it up uh, for the foreseeable future. And again, it's a big part of this game. The Browns having uh, one of the better offensive lines in the game. And that has allowed them to, even if Nick Chubb doesn't play or they have to go back to Dearness, um, they can have a good rushing attack still. So this could be one of those games where there's just fewer possessions overall. I think the way the Browns want to play football, the way the Patriots want to play football, as you said earlier, um, that could bring the scoring down just a little bit as far as I, I, you're, I, I think you'll just see fewer possessions. Uh, with in longer drives from both teams here yeah i think that's true I, this i'm looking forward to this game i actually this is not a great week <laughs> there's a lot every week you know people have actually been quantifying the quote-unquote boringness of the nfl over the last few weeks in terms of you know the percentage of the game where the win probability is above like 90 or whatever like you know nerd ways of quantifying like yeah. how exciting was this week it felt like it wasn't a great week of football oh look if you could tell the numbers it turns out it actually was true um i just, frankly just am way the game. way too lazy to do that even if i was so inclined but there is evidence to suggest that recently the football has not been great and this week we have what three double digit point spreads another three where it's like eight and a half or more uh so there's potentially like half the slate this week it, vegas thinks is going to be you know pretty non-interesting game that's just a conventional walkover but this is one of them that's fun like the browns against the patriots the patriots have put themselves back in position to like challenge for the division out of nowhere yeah the browns have been stumbling this year but all of a sudden look like they've got rid of the thing that was dragging them down or at least gotten rid of the guy that was causing not i don't want to make it sound like odell beckham is the is the guy at fault right because i don't think that's true i don't think it's Beckham was bad for the Browns. I think Beckham on the Browns was bad. You yeah. know what I mean? 
So I'm trying it to. Can I, be, it can be a mutual parting. Right? Yeah, it I'm just. I, I'm struggling to phrase how you do that without placing the blame on Odell Beckham. They've gotten rid of a player f- who was not helping, and yeah. whether it's his fault or not, he appears to have been a source of negativity for the entire offense. So without him, the Browns might actually be able to roll and put themselves back in the position that they were supposed to be, which is like legitimate contenders. Um, but despite all that, I do think we might come out of this game. You know, again, last week, Baker, four, four big-time throws, only dropped back 21, 22 times. Timing and rhythm passing game was back for the Browns. Baker looked more comfortable and all that stuff. I just don't know if we're going to see that again. I don't know if, it's, if we're going to see that again this week. I think the Patriots, fifth lowest EPA per play allowed against the pass this year. So, the, again, the Patriots' defense creeping up toward the top of the league. I think it's going to be a little bit more challenging through the air. On the other side of things, though, Mac Jones against this Browns defense. The Browns defense is 18th in EPA per play allowed against the pass, but we saw last week. I, I think this is my clean narrative that the Browns were going to take seven or eight weeks to figure it out defensively. So I don't know if they've completely flipped the switch now, but last week was a lot closer to what we expected with John Johnson and Troy Hill, Denzel Ward, and that secondary making plays for the Browns. So I think Again, I think offense might be it's well it's going to be like 39-36. I think <laughs> offense might be uh challenging for both sides in this game. Yeah. That's what I'll say. I can believe that. So I'm calling a low-scoring game. Okay. New England by 2. I'm kind of surprised the Patriots are favored here. You are. Well, yeah. Yeah, Am I, I wrong think too? I think the buzz I think the buzz is is there, right? I mean, they Again, just going back to like the Patriots' season. It's two and a half now. It's going out that way. It's up to two and a half. I think... But Green Line backs me up. Green Line doesn't think it should be as high as that. Therefore, I am correct in my endorsement of the Browns and that they will win, not just cover, but win. Oh, what are the official scores? You You went through them. Tyler's actually cheering in the booth that I picked the Browns to win. He's got his Browns sweatshirt and... Brown, he's got a Browns hoodie. Browns, of course, he's cheering. Okay. Of course, Sam just said they'd cover. He didn't say they'd win. Tyler. No, no, I was getting there. Oh, they're going. Oh, they're going to win. Yeah, yeah. I was going to go Patriots what against are the, Green Line. What do you mean you were going to? You did. You just have. Well, I mean, I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah. What are our, what are our official results from last week? I you counted them up last night. We I tallied. I went and checked what that we that you did have the Falcons Saints thing asked backwards. So what's the official uh, tally? According to my numbers, and I'm not great adding stuff up sometimes. Uh huh. It looks like I'm three and ele- I was three and eleven last week. Wow, which really offsets that ten and two. Yeah, week eight that I have. Week three week and eleven, seven. huh? And uh, how did well, I go? Six and eight. Okay, three games better than me. Yeah, but you know, six yeah. and eight. So that puts you at twelve and fourteen since we started keeping track the last two weeks. Yikes! What and you? me at uh, I have three weeks. I have three weeks of data because I didn't yeah, do your, you your just, week seven. You didn't bother with me. I am twenty and eighteen. Okay. Imagine going three and eleven and still being over five hundred. I mean, that's a that's what happened. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, all right. I'll take so, New England. I'm buying into the uh, the recent hype here, and I do think their defense is going to give problems to win and to cover, or just to win to win and cover. Okay. Well, yeah, because it's two two and a half. Yeah, they'll win by yep. the three. All right. All right. I'll take New England in that. Uh, we got a new sponsor on the podcast, Sam. Well, who is it? It is X Chair. So welcome. I've, I've seen their ads on the TV. Yeah, you know, I've I've seen their chair. In my office. It's well, awesome. Working from too. home is more important now than, more than ever, right? So optimize. Was that a sentence? Did you? You know, I lost the sentence halfway through, but I and just kept going. I have no idea if I captured it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Working that. from home is more important than ever now. It's actually rough copy. 
Don't say that to our new sponsor. It's not them. It's Connor's. Oh, fault. it's Connor Price. It's Connor. Okay, I'm calling Connor out because wow. he he wrote that sentence Just for catching me. Catching strays in the podcast. working from home is more important than ever. So optimize your home office with an X chair, and there are many accessories to enhance your focus, productivity, energy, and comfort. See what they did there? What accessories? Accessories. That's it. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's accessories. Once you feel customized. Well, the feel, the customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar. That's the DVL, which I can say is pretty sweet. There's no going back. So we got our chairs last week. I actually put it together. It's pretty easy to put together by yourself. You put it together. I, yes, I am not Hang handy. on. That's the biggest selling point so far yeah. is that you were able to put this thing together solo. Yes. Without Kelly's help. Yes. That's one of our – part of our shtick is when I have to do, you know, some chores around the house. You – when and, I uh, first moved over here – I was like, I'll get Rick over. I'll get Steve over. We can put together some of the things that need to be put together. We've got this giant, like, castle bed thing for Scout. She was, whatever, four or five years old at the time. It's like, it'd be great. About an hour into this thing, the only thing we had discovered that you could do was to put the screws into the hole required for the screw so yep. that one of the people that didn't require supervision should come in, could come in afterwards and actually, like, screw them in. For you to be able to put this thing together... I'm a... Without, you know, child help. I did it all by myself. Is, is quite the selling point. I'm a specialist. You put certainly the screws are. In. And I put the screws in the LMX, too. It's uh, in, the, uh, in the X chair. It's all about the LMX massage and temperature regulation. So, yeah, I got the one that has massage functionality. You got heat. You got heating. You got cooling. It's exclusively designed and made for the X chair with versatile comfort and extraordinary design x chair fits any space so i love it i did have this big monster chair this one isn't too big i got the double wide for the hips say, and all only, that stuff but not only does it fit any space but it fits any human yes you ha- you got the super wide version i did the hip space one it's great comfortable you control <laughs> how much you lean back it is high quality chair high performance quality engineering extreme comfort those are all the reasons i love my x chair now i can't wait to be uh to get home actually, because I don't have one here. I actually hate sitting in this chair. I wish I could bring mine in here. So sometimes if I'm not even working, I just uh, I sit in the chair anyway, because you get the massage, you get the temperature, you get the whole thing. So take my advice. Try X-Chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. That's awesome. So go to xchairnflpod.com. So it's X chair just the letter x chair nflpod.com now it's a letter x chair nflpod.com or call you can call too 1-844-4x-chair for a hundred dollars off your order this is an incredible deal x chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as thirty dollars a month x chair nflpod.com if you're watching on youtube check out the link in the description yeah we have our own link so that you can get $100 off. It's yeah. pretty cool. Um, what was I going to say? I, I, I'm never going to stop finding it funny that you need to, like, check, you know, weight requirements for chairs. <laughs> what? It's just, it, for those of us that are normal sizes, it's just never even occurred to me that most chairs have a weight limit. I just buy a chair. If I need a chair, I buy a chair. If I need, a, yeah. you know, one of those uh, lawn chairs, the the camping chairs you know to go watch your kid play at the side of a yeah i can't field. just get, can get the old uh, i just if i need one of those i go buy a chair it's I never even occurred to me chair. that that has like a weight limit and if you're beyond a certain number you can't get those you need to get some sort of reinforcement chair well, a lot of the weight limits are like 225 yeah that's a it's a big chunk of the uh the country like it's i am me. i am carrying at least you know what, 10, 15 pounds worth of extra weight at the moment? <laughs> this is not in a good place. And I am still 
40 something pounds away from that potential weight limit we gotta get to the next game here sam all right. I'm talking got? about my weight and chairs. I just think it's... Uh, except it's, the X-Chair. Go check it out. Uh, it's time well spent. XChairNFLPod.com. Kansas City Chiefs at the Las Vegas Raiders. It's Sunday night football. The Chiefs are favored by two and a half as of right now, I believe. Uh, two and a half Chiefs on the road against Vegas. Of course, we got Mahomes in a dome. Get okay. Yeah, you so think that's, 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 what, that's what ails them That's going to get the Chiefs back on track here. Mahomes throwing in a dome. Okay. What are you looking for in this one? So... The Raiders have done a really good job against uh, Kansas City's offense when they were good and when the Raiders' defense was bad. Like, weirdly, this is a team that has actually done a pretty good job of limiting Kansas City anyway over the last few few years when the Raiders' defense was complete garbage, had no good players whatsoever, nobody getting anything done by themselves, and Kansas City's offense was, like, unstoppable, putting up insane numbers, an anomaly versus the rest of the league. All of a sudden... There is actually a blueprint to slowing down this Kansas City offense, and the Raiders actually have good defenders. You know, Casey Hayward, I think, has dropped to the top three now in terms of graded cornerbacks, but Max Crosby leads the NFL in pressures. Yannick Ngakwe is getting pressure. Um, Hobbs is playing really well in the secondary as well. All of a sudden, this Raiders defense actually has quite a lot of good players. So does it still work? Or was it some weird situation where they actually relied on having no good players to make this work? Well, the other element to this, because you're right. I mean, what, by the way, when you say work, I mean, it wasn't like they, they gave up 30-plus points. Right. It's not the like Chiefs they shut them down, but there was a, they visibly caused the Chiefs offense yes. problems in a way almost nobody else was doing. Just to turn back the clock, there was a game, uh, the game, I believe it was the Week 5 game last year. Mahomes had like six big-time throws and four turnover-worthy plays. It was, right. We were coming out of that game saying Mahomes looked like Texas Tech. Mahomes like he was a little bit crazy with the football but also awesome with the football at other times they ended up scoring 32 but the 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 Raiders were making big stops defensively right and I thought what they really did and and what people are doing now too is doing a good job of mirroring Mahomes pocket movement right so you generally you you either want to keep a quarterback in the pocket take away his first read but when he's getting out of the pocket we know how dangerous Mahomes is if you just if you just let him break free and he has no defenders near him, teams are doing a better job of saying, okay, you're, you might break out of the pocket, but you're going to have a guy in your face. You're not going to have all the time in the world outside the pocket. The Raiders have done a good job of that. What I'm looking forward to doing, seeing here, though, if you listen to our discussion yesterday on the podcast, we talked a ton and we had a good email uh, asking about uh, the Bills getting the Chiefs treatment, which is the two high looks, your cover two, your cover four, your cover six, and uh, that is what the blueprint has been against the Chiefs. But Mahomes has almost 100 more dropbacks against those two high, safer coverage shells than any other quarterback in the league. But the Raiders do the complete opposite. They're a single high team. It's the old school Seattle cover three. And you, when you play that system, you get a lot more one-on-ones. You get fewer of those plays that you were highlighting yesterday where not only are you taking away the deep ball, but you have more doubling opportunities on a Travis Kelsey, on a... Tyree Kill, you have easier ways to kind of take away the intermediate and the deep level. So strategically, 80, I want to know how much the Chargers, I mean, the, the Raiders adjust here or if they just kind of play their game. 80.5% of their snaps this season have been single high, whether it's cover three, cover one, cover three yeah. seam. Like they, they do not play with any form of too high coverage shell. And that's Gus Bradley. So the interesting Seattle cover three evolution, right, as those – uh, as that coaching tree has moved around the league, Robert Sala, 
Robert Sala has added more quarters. They, they're, for whatever this is, this is, you know, nerdy, you know, NFL coverage stuff. The point is, the old school Seattle way was like we are literally running one or two coverages over and over and over again. We're going to master it. Other coaches around the league, Dan Quinn has evolved a little bit. Robert Sala has evolved a little bit, and not that doesn't necessarily mean that he's more. They're more forward thinking than Gus Bradley. They've just changed the system a little bit. Whereas Gus Bradley's pretty much stayed true to form, whether he was with the Chargers or here with the Raiders. What has made it work, though, and what has made every Seattle cover three system work is, obviously, you get the good secondary play, but they've had a pass rush, right? The Seattle team, the Legion of Boom days, had Michael Bennett, had Cliff Averill. Um, They had a good pass rush, and again, that's where the Raiders have been one of the best teams in the league this year with, uh, well, the, the best team, highest pass rush grade by four grading points. So if the Raiders can do that, if they can continue to put pressure, I don't know if the coverage shell matters all that much. But here's the point. From a Chiefs perspective, there should be more big play opportunities. There should be more opportunities. As great as Casey Hayward is, we've seen Casey Hayward play the Chiefs a ton when he was with the Chargers. If he was stuck in one-on-one coverage against Tyreek Hill, Casey Hayward is a great off-zone corner. But if they do come up and press a Tyree Kill on the outside, he will he will run by Casey Hayward. So there should be some big play opportunities for the Chiefs this week that maybe there weren't in previous weeks. Yeah, it's always interesting when you have a genuine blueprint to do something, you know, to beat a team, to slow them down, to uh, cause them problems, whatever it is, that runs completely contrary to what you do as a defense generally. Now, we've already seen Baltimore – have that decision earlier in the season. Baltimore is the most blitz-happy team in the NFL. Generally, over the last few years, they face Kansas City. The blueprint is you do not blitz Patrick Mahomes. You will lose. So you back everybody else off. You do exactly the opposite of what your typical game plan is. Now, the Ravens, admittedly through uh, plenty of experience of what happens when you don't do this, determined that for this game, we are not blitzing. For this game, we're doing the exact opposite of what we usually do in a game plan because that's how you beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Do the Raiders do the same thing, or do they say what we're doing is working, let's keep doing the working thing? Because if you're looking at what everybody else is doing to the Chiefs right now, you would come to the conclusion that we do not want to play a ton of single high safety. We want to play, we want to flood coverage zones, we want to have as many guys in the deep third as possible just cover everything and and leave space underneath but that would involve completely changing the way they play defense so far my gut reaction is because they haven't been punished yet they're not going to do that and they're going to say if it ain't broke don't fix it and roll into this game with essentially the same game plan they've had with every other game the other thing that we've said a few times this week the kansas city chiefs offensive line is their strength so it's the number five pass blocking unit, the Chiefs, going up against the number one pass rushing unit, the Raiders. It might be more difficult for the Raiders to get that pressure. And again, if you're looking for what has been wrong with the Chiefs offense, what has been wrong with the Chiefs offense the last few weeks? Everything. Well, not their pass blocking. Yeah. They've got their number one, two, and four best pass blocking grades over these last three weeks in, in, the, in which they've scored three, 20, in 13 points so the pass blocking has been better everything else has been bad so even if they do protect it still comes down to Mahomes not missing as many throws as he's uh, missed the enemy and Andy Reid you got to scheme it up and get get dudes open right I mean it's um, so even if the Chiefs offensive line plays as as well as they have and they've played really well run game pass game they've played well um, it's going to come down to 
pass catchers in Mahomes. It honest. is interesting, though, that the weakest member of that offensive line, certainly from a pass-blocking standpoint, is Lucas Niang at right tackle. That's, Cro- that's Crosby. That's Crosby. Crosby's run of <clears throat> players that he is facing this season is kind of wild. Like we've said you know, multiple times that he didn't face a good right tackle until week seven. But, okay, that was, that was one, and he did reasonably well against Lane Johnson. Um, so it's not like he is a complete product of the guys he's going up against. But I think you need to look at what other left ends. Uh, you might only be isolating Crosby because he's playing so well. Because you yeah, got to look I'm at what saying, other, like, other players face at right tackle. I'm, it's not like there's a million good right tackles yeah, in the league right my, now. I've literally just said, like, it's not like he's a complete product of the players he's facing. But I, I am you. simply I making the point that if you look at the players he is going to play for the entirety of the NFL, there's a really slow, low number of good right tackles that he's going up against. And, in fact, most of them are terrible. Like, he's got another game against the Chargers to come. You know, that was the Storm Norton game. That's, that's a disaster. We... Have this game, Lucas Nyang is their weakest member. Cincinnati is up next. Okay, they've got a reasonable right tackle. Dallas should have a reasonable right tackle if they stop screwing around with their offensive line. Um, Washington is pretty good. Then Nyang again in Kansas City. Like, he's had a pretty good run. But, again, you come into this game and he should have the the most advantageous uh, guy to go up against. On the other side of the ball... The, uh, the reason why the Raiders also gave the Chiefs trouble last year, especially in the first game, Derek Carr throwing the ball down the field. So coming out of last week's game, I said, look, they had no Henry Ruggs. They had no deep threat last week. It was, it was kind of back to uh, more underneath stuff. You didn't take those shots down the field like they had been doing this season. Um, I don't know if Deshaun Jackson's ready to play or not. But either way, I think, you know, last year at this time we were saying, Raiders, take, you, gotta, you have to try to go blow for blow with the Chiefs attack down the field well this year it's a little different Derek Carr is third in the league in deep passing yards Mahomes is ninth I mean the the Raiders have this deep passing attack but they had it with rugs can they do it this week right and I think they have to get back to that aggressive style and try to score a ton of points I would say that I think being a sort of designated deep threat is probably the easiest position to be like I don't need you to know the whole offense right I need you to know like three plays yeah or three key words within the play that's all I need from you here. Like it, it really should be possible to get Deshaun Jackson on the field this week for a package of plays where he is the designated deep threat. If you can't do that, I mean that just feels like that feels like problematic in, in itself. All right, to wrap up this game here because I, I I was I was leaning Kansas City in a bounce back, and I feel like I'm that's going to be my where I go here. Like oh they they got to come out of this at some point, even though there's a lot of evidence saying man that offense is in trouble. I do think that this matchup plays a little bit more into the Chiefs' favor because I think their line can handle the uh, the rush, and I think they'll have more big play opportunities. But on the other hand, I don't know how much to look at the Raiders last week with the all of the things that they've dealt with off the field. They've had those couple games against the Giants and against the Bears where they just didn't look right. But they came back, they bounced back after that last Raiders game. I mean, the uh, Bears game. Will the Raiders be back to what they've been? for the majority of the season here. I hate that I don't think that they're going to adjust their coverages, and I think this coverage shell is a really nice opportunity for that offense of Kansas City's to bounce back and have success the way they've had success for the last few years. If the Raiders were a team that already played the sort of two, four, six coverage shells and they were going up against Kansas City, now I would feel an awful lot better about it. Yeah. 
because I don't think that that I think that that game plan is genuinely something that's going to cause them problems until they get themselves out of it, like until they completely change how they uh, approach offense and are willing to be patient in a way they haven't been so far this year. But they could easily go out there and there's like an immediate bomb to Tyreek Hill and all of a sudden they're in the they're in the groove again. You know, like this. If you know the way, like. Uh, soccer strikers they go through these droughts and you're like all he needs is a goal you i don't get, you get one you get one the whole thing disappears right just needs the confidence back just needs to feel get that feeling again of scoring one goal and all of a sudden he's back in the groove and everything that just happened over the last three months is meaningless that feels like what this chief's offense is is dealing with like one 80 yard bomb to tyreek hill to start a game they're cooking again like it, it will dismiss everything that's just happened over the last few months but what keeps happening is right at the start of every game, they get frustrated somehow. And like even with the Giants game, like they came out, they were patient, they marched down the field the first they drive, did, yeah. they were doing exactly what they need to do, and then something went wrong, and immediately they snapped back into this like, oh no, we're in panic mode again. And they couldn't get back to just being patient and going through the motions. It feels like all you need is one bomb to Tyreek Hill, and you will like dispel all of the bad and because the Raiders play that kind of coverage, it could easily happen in this game early. So you're going Chiefs here? Uh, I'm leaning Chiefs. I am, but I hate it. By the two and a half. I hate it too because I do think the Raiders are going to play a good game. I think they'll play a good game. I could see the Raiders. It, the Raiders are 5-3. and three, The Chiefs are 5-4. and four, So the Raiders are tied for first in the AFC West. Uh, but Chiefs are still favored. So Vegas, the Vegas uh, man, Vegas likes the, the Vegas. guy. Vegas still believes the in the Robert Chiefs. De Niro. I'll take the Chiefs. With the Bouncing back on primetime. All right. Where are you going? Oh, yeah, Sunday Night Football. Sunday Night Football. I am. I'm taking the Chiefs, but I, I hate it. I hate it. Can you, mark, can you like, mark that down in your uh, hate this pick? Do you want to just put, like, a lower confidence level? Because we could do confidence level. No, if you just put, like, a lowercase h for hates this pick, KC, that would be perfect. KCH. Yeah, there you go. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week? Well, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, they got you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. If Sportsbook isn't yet available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings has given all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with the promo code PFF. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 year or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wage required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I suggest you get on this quickly. We've had this promo for a couple weeks here, but I don't know how long it's going to last. So go check it out. Promo code PFF at DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, other game of the week here that we have. I think there's a few good ones, Sam. But New Orleans Saints at the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee favored by three. Uh, New Orleans has even more injury concerns now with Alvin Kamara uh, banged up. But Tennessee, 7-2. and two, The darlings of the AFC with their four-game winning streak. All against good teams. Mm-hmm. What are you looking for in this game? <clears throat> yeah, this is like a a game that's just been hammered by injuries. Uh, all of a sudden, the Saints don't have any playmakers left. No quarterback, no receivers. Anyway, Alvin Kamara was like the one guy. Alvin Kamara's down. Like, what have you? What are you left with? Particularly, you know, Odell Beckham isn't there yet. If he's going there at all, 
Um, there's not an awful lot of players that can do much in terms of moving the ball for them. So, so I think, though, if you look at last week's game, and sometimes football games do this, right? Tennessee didn't really move the ball well offensively. They scored the 28 points because they got a pick six and essentially a you know a seven-yard drive or five-yard drive or whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. So it was the first game without Derrick Henry. Yep. And it's a little overshadowed by the fact that the defense made a couple big yeah, plays, yeah. right? So my concern for the Titans here is moving the ball against a pretty good Saints defense, number three in the league uh, as far as our defensive ELO rating, uh, rankings, which take into account how well they've played, the facets they've played, and who they've played. So Tennessee, I mean, New Orleans has a real chance you know, to, to slow down Tennessee's offense yeah. because the Rams slow down Tennessee's offense. It'll come down to... I think the Saints' offense, what do they do with Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill with, with no Camara, with no playmakers on the offensive side of the ball? Uh, so I think it's going to be, an, it could be another, what I predicted the Browns Patriots game to do, low scoring and comes down to turnovers and, you know, a big play here and there. We're going to get like 10 Taysom Hill targets from Trevor Simeon. That's the Yeah, offense. right. You got to get him, get him involved in the pass game. Yeah, like, so I know they were facing the Rams, who have a pretty good defensive line, but, but you're right. Quietly overshadowed by the result last week was that that uh, Tennessee offensive line didn't do a great job with the new running backs behind them with uh, with Adrian Peterson with Dante Foreman Jeremy McNichols uh, Roger Saffold in particular had his ass kicked by Aaron Donald fairly well Bobby Hart was at left tackle I mean that you don't even need more right just Bobby Hart was a left tackle the end everybody knows what that means um, so they need Taylor Lewan back as soon as humanly possible. They also need that offensive line to do a better job than it did last week. Like, this is – it's one game. It's against Aaron Donald and the Rams, so who knows exactly what it means. But it's, it's a data point in the wake of Derrick Henry not being there that says maybe Derrick Henry had a greater effect than we think overall. Like, the Titans have had this offensive line that has incredible run-blocking grades and not great pass-blocking grades – I don't know how much Derrick Henry influences that. Well, last week... Usually, for, for other players, it wouldn't be a lot. But with Derrick Henry, we know he's different. Last week, the Titans averaged 2.7 yards per rush. They averaged 2.3 of those 2.7 yards after contact. So essentially, the running backs, collectively, had nowhere to go. Well, part of it's who they play. So the Rams, so you're talking about the run-blocking grades for the Titans, the run-defense grades, if you have premium stats over a uh, part of your PFF Elite package, which you can get for 25% off using the promo code NFLPOD, NFLPOD. You guys are on point. Love you guys in the back. NFLPOD, 25% off. And you go sort by run defense grades. Number one is the Rams, who the Titans played last week, as you said. And then the Saints are number two. So now, the two weeks without Derrick Henry, the Titans are going up against the number one and number two uh, graded run defenses over these right. last two weeks. So I could easily see... The Saints winning this battle, again, up front, putting the pressure. It, 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 this comes down to how good are the Titans going to be, right? I'm so impressed with what they've done. It's still going to come down to this is Ryan Tannehill's team now. It's Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown and Julio Jones making plays every week beyond just the rushing attack. So it's going to be a Ryan Tannehill game against, again, a very good Saints secondary. Marshawn Lattimore playing really good football, watching him match up with uh, the big dudes outside, little uh, – turn back the clock with Julio Jones matchup. It's going to be – it's a fun – there's a lot of good on-field matchups in this game, but I think the Titans' offense has to be better. 
It feels like a game that could easily be another one of those low-scoring, ugly things we've been talking about. It, I mean, you look, this would be Sean Payton's, like, Rembrandt moment. If he comes out here and Trevor Simeon to Taysom Hill ends up putting up decent numbers and, perf- and moves the ball and scores points, Sean Payton should be put in the Hall of Fame, like, just off the back of this. Forget anything else. Uh, it doesn't look like there's much of a pathway for the Saints' offense to have success. The Titans may well have that run game suffocated again this week. And when if that had happened last week and they hadn't had the defensive success, we might have been coming out with a completely different interpretation of a post-Derrick Henry Titans offense. But they do at least still have Tannehill to A.J. Brown to Julio Jones. Like, they have a pathway to offensive success that I just don't even see for the Saints. So in theory, that should give them enough to win this game, which would otherwise be an ugly, low-scoring, like miserable-looking affair. I hope so. I love all those low-scoring games. I have a take on uh, the Titans and oh, yeah. Mike Vrabel. I People think are Mike- asking me for takes. You like you are such a middle-of-the-road, fence-sitting... I mean, this isn't like... This isn't going to burn down social media or anything. But the, it's not like your Titans radio hit is messaging me looking for hot takes because apparently you have been too nice to Tennessee lately. They're messaging. Well, who's messaging you? Jason Martin. J Mart. What did he say? J Martin Ramon. The, your Tennessee hit. I'm uh, being too positive. Hey, at BFF Sam, it's been a while. What take can you craft? Feel free for it to be pure fiction to ignite Titans fans on this quote unquote throat punch Thursday. We want gimmicked violence before we end the show, and Steve has been too nice lately. Wow, they didn't. This is all behind my back. I mean, behind your back in public on Twitter, yes. Oh, I didn't see it, though. The, well, uh, yeah, my not- Twitter is too busy blown up by um, our social media team taking my wrong Super Bowl pick and tweeting it out there and the thing's blowing up. Perfect. So, so here, let, let's solve this right now. Give me a, give me a take. It's a, it's a positive give Titans take. Give me a take, take that will piss Titans fans off. No, I don't have it. You see, it's the opposite. Why, that's why they come to me. Uh I was going to say Mike Rabel is like the next uh, Mike, Mike Tomlin from, okay. from a coaching standpoint. Vrabel's doing a great job coaching. That's my hot take. You're going to text back to him? Uh, no, yeah. Well, let's, let's, okay, you can at least help me come up with a comedy uh, villain take for them. What can we say that will really annoy them? The uh, AFC South, how hard could it be? I was going to go with no Derrick Henry equals no division win. Derrick Henry's the uh, the engine. Can't yeah. go with no playoffs because they're going to make the playoffs. But no Derrick Henry equals no AFC South crown. Can they still lose that at this point? We'll take some doing from here. I don't think we should do this right now. I just wanted to make the point that Mike Vrabel is – I'm just impressed with what they're doing. They're 7-2 and two despite all their injuries and all that stuff. And I think he does a good job moving the organization forward. He's winning a ton. He does. He's turned them around. He's uh-huh. turned them from this – Perennial nine and seven team to now they're they're an AFC contender. He doesn't have the same cool uh, aviator aesthetic as uh, Mike Tomlin does, though. That's okay. He can work his way up to it. You think? I think he's on his way. I to think be he, in that. I don't, I don't think he can. Be, he's going to be that ten year get the most out of his team coach, yeah. even when you don't necessarily have. He's everything. never going to be cool though. He's going to have to lean on intimidating. It's fine. I'm talking results, baby. Results. Yeah. Just win, and that's what Vrabel's doing. Well, that's why your radio hit's coming to me for spicy takes. I can't believe they're cutting me from the <laughs> radio hit here. I mean, I picked the Ravens over the Titans in the AFC. Yeah. Okay, Titans the most overrated team in the, in the, in the league. Go ahead. Do it. <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, and we mentioned the other night, too, the Titans, number five most difficult schedule so far this year to go to 7-2. and two. For the rest of the way, per PFF.com, the Titans have the easiest schedule in the NFL. And presumably after they play the Saints, they will still have the easiest schedule because the Saints are one of the more difficult teams that they have left. So the Titans have a golden opportunity here. And uh, look, we have... I mean, I trashed Titans fans a couple weeks ago. They missed that, apparently. I said there's no Titans fans out there. But we have the three or four that reached out and said, hey, I'm a Titans fan, Don't and worry. I'm bringing the positive for them. I just officially credited you for the take, so you're fine. What's my take? That the Titans are the most overrated team in the league. Oh. Well, they're going to say, why didn't you say that on our show? Uh, that's not my problem. Get Titans fans mad at me. I All still right. get Steelers fans mad at me on my Steelers hits. Oh, Steelers fans are mad at everybody. You can't take that personally. Tennessee sure. minus three. Where are you going? Well, I want to go to New Orleans now because I can't say nice <laughs> things about the Titans. It took Tennessee. I already wrote it down in the document. Oh, okay. Then you're good. Where are you going? Yeah, Tennessee again. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mr. Based off the fact that they're the Tennessee only team guy. that has any offensive weapons in this game. Yeah. You're telling me that Taysom Hill, that Trevor Simeon to Taysom Hill is going to beat the Titans. Titans lost to the Jets. That's a good point. That's a good point, chat. They lost to the Jets. It was five weeks ago, but who cares? They lost to the Jets, man. Uh-huh. Jets are horrible. In overtime. Zach Wilson. Not even the Mike White Jets. No. The Zach Wilson Jets. Yeah, not the 1-0 Mike White Jets. That's bad. You can't give Mike White the loss last week just because he started. No. Right? It's Josh Johnson's loss. Look, you might not be into QB wins or whatever, but if you're going to keep track of them, at least do it the way baseball does. Where, you know, there's, if, if there's a backup, he can earn the loss. It's not just the guy who's listed as the starter. We should all try a little bit harder to be baseball. Minnesota Vikings at the Los Angeles Chargers. Let's go rapid fire for the next hour and a half. Uh <laughs> Vikings at the Chargers. Chargers favored by three here in the Dome. Kirk in a Dome. That's all he plays in is a Dome. Mm. That's why he's so good. Yeah. That is probably on his See, on his got- like pros and cons list. He wrote Dome in all caps when he was a free agent a couple years ago, saying, I need that. That's what's going to make my numbers look good. Kirk knows how to I make mean, the numbers look good. I think there's a very real chance that was This true. is <laughs> absolutely legit. Yeah. Yes. Uh I am intrigued by a Mike Zimmer defense versus a versus Justin Herbert versus generally. a Justin Herbert versus a Justin quarterback. Herbert. Just one of them doesn't matter which. Um, also, is that even like the, what about stadiums that are that blur the lines between dome and outside? Like that's open to the elements, whatever elements exist in Los Angeles. It's not. It is. It's literally open. It's mostly there are no walls. It's like it's open. It's it's structurally open to the outside. That's why when there was like a storm, they had to hold off the game because you yeah, get. Yeah, there's like a little opening though. I don't think it's you're not getting, like a little opening. There's you're not like getting wind or anything. I haven't. I if haven't there was wind like. in Los Angeles, there would be wind coming through the opening. I don't think there's enough wind to affect the actual field. It's so like a real outdoor game. It should be if there's a roof, right? If there's a roof, it's a dome, regardless of the fact that there's no walls surrounding it. Okay, sorry, it's an outdoor game then. What I don't it think it's as? an outdoor game. I'm just saying that, like, that sh- if that, that should be the cutoff, right? If there's a roof capable of preventing rain landing on the field, it's a dome. Yeah. There. Yeah, so that protects you from so the we, elements. I'm just mostly. saying, that's our new stipulation. That's, okay. that's the line. Okay, so this is a dome? Yes. Okay. So we could see a lot of offense yes. in this one. But, the, yeah, the Vikings defense, they're number three in EPA per play allowed against the pass. How are they doing that, Sam? I don't know. Nice. Do you? Not necessarily. <laughs> I think it's more um, the rest of the league's not very good. 
defensively. There are no great teams. Vikings are number six in coverage grade. Um, their system, from a coverage standpoint, I've done you know I've done some work on this. You know which systems are more favorable for grading and production for corners versus safeties versus linebackers. The Vikings system, the Zimmer system, which is zone heavy, puts a lot more pressure on your linebackers and safeties, and they've they've done a good job there. In that you know. You know, they have Harrison Smith. They have Eric Kendricks. Like that's to their strength. Kendricks, once again, he's got the highest coverage grade again this year. Um, he's, you know, for a position that's very inconsistent uh, from a grading standpoint or just from a production standpoint. Kendricks has become one of the most consistent coverage players over the last couple of years. So that's a big part of what they're doing. And so the other thing I'm saying is, even though the cornerback room that they tried to reshape with youth and then bring in all the vets and all that stuff, you can hide those guys a little bit more in the system in Minnesota and after a slow start this season by uh Bashad Breland and you know Patrick Peterson being up and down like they've found a way to kind of hide those corners and be productive defensively is yeah that fair yeah I think so I mean I, it's definitely true that the Vikings defense relies on guys like Harrison Smith and Eric Kendricks which is and they've for a number of years they have been able to paper over um not having great cornerbacks for quite a while so, like, you look at their cornerbacks right now, and you're like, this is a train wreck. How is this defense not getting just, just destroyed and lit up by everybody? That's part of the reason, because they have been able to hide it for a number of years, but including this season, um, like, they've been able to patch up a lot of those weaknesses with guys like Smith and Kendricks. The one thing I meant to mention in the Patriots-Browns game, you have Kevin Stefanski of the Browns, who's a little bit more uh, aggressive on fourth down and all that stuff. Belichick has landed on the conservative side when it comes to those decisions. Similar in this game, right? You've got, uh, of course, we're going to talk about it every week, Brandon Staley just playing a different game, uh, going for everything and uh, playing the odds all the time versus Zimmer, who's, again, on the more conservative side, not only a fourth down decisions, but go for two decisions and everything that we talked about last week. So whether it's Browns-Patriots, I feel like some of those decisions will be a key factor in that game. In this game as well, Chargers-Vikings, some of those fourth downs, um, not only the decision, but the execution on it, right? The Chargers season has almost gone the way the execution has. When they're converting their fourth downs, they're winning and moving, you know, tough to beat. When they're getting stopped on fourth down, it's like, you know, they're not as good. Those are high-variance plays. So, you know, in this game that we know is going to be within three points, it's Chargers by three. That's how the Vikings play. They'll play within three points. Those fourth downs could be the uh, determining factor in this one. Definitely. Um, yeah, it's, it's a an element of the game where the Chargers are on the sort of progressive end of the spectrum and the Vikings are not. So how much are you taking the Chargers by? Uh... I mean, it doesn't matter how much I'm taking them by. It's it's charges by three. When was the last That's time you I picked need. the Vikings to, to cover? Uh, last week. No. Yes. What was last week? The Baltimore game, where I said there's no reason they will cover this, but they will. Oh, right. You did take them to. Yeah. What was the last time you picked them to win? So, are we allowed to do that? Do I get blurred out? <laughs> yeah. Can we? Eli rule. Can we? We're live. If Eli no can delay. do that, if Eli can do that on Monday Night Football, I can drop it on YouTube. There's no delay here. We're in trouble. No, we're, we're not. Gonna we're going to get cut. So I, yeah, last week is the answer to your question, um, but this week I will take the Chargers to cover. I'll take Minnesota to cover. LAC Minnesota, Minnesota. You know they're going to keep it within one. Yeah, it's going to be a one point game, regardless. A one point game. Yeah, one point game. Chargers and Vikings should be a good one. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles at the Denver Broncos. Denver's favored by two and a half. Uh, all I'm looking forward to here is how many 
you know, Teddy Bridgewater's completion percentage. Is it 80? Is it 85? Does he get 90? Because that's just what the AFC West does against this, these, this Eagles defense. It does seem that way. And Teddy is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. What's the record? Like, <laughs> how high can he get? 100? Has anybody had 100 over, you know, X no. number of attempts, right? Carr's was close. I mean, I think there's... Somebody's been, like been over 90. There's, yeah, I mean, Carr was over 90 on 34 dropbacks a couple... Of, Carr's game, I don't know the exact result here, but Carr going 31 for 34 may have been the record for over 30 attempts. Probably. Uh, my boy Brunel was um, maybe 24 for 25 or something in a game. According to Google, uh, Drew Brees... Had a 96.7% oh, he was 29 for 31 completion rate in right? 2019 the against the Indianapolis Colts. That is your record. Was it 29 for 31? I don't know. I'm just looking say? at the Google. What thing. else do you have there? Who else? Breeze, number one. Rivers, number two, 96.6 he in was- 2018. Marcus Mariota has a 95 game. Uh, Gardner Minshew was a 95 game. Ryan Tannehill, Alex Smith, 94.7. Where's Brunel? <sighs> Uh, not in the top 10. Oh, man, they bounced him out of the top 10. Not in the top 20. He used to have the record for most completions in a game. That's what it was. You're going to make me scroll down Straight this dumb No, I don't list. think he's got any record. Number 38, tied with Dak Prescott, 88.9%. 2006? Yes. Just a guess. Which is below, by the way, Len Dawson, who played back in the day where you literally couldn't pass block that should be the your record. hands. That should be the record by default. It should, there should be like a boost for like... Your, ta- your offensive tackles were literally not allowed to use their hands to block players. They were, like, blocking with their elbows like this, trying to catch Buck Buchanan and the likes in the middle. Like, that – you should get a tw- – like, a, whatever he is. You should get I an love, 11% boost for that. I love the fact that you went back and graded Super Bowl one, and you always – I love when you show how they blocked back then. I just the cannot believe that that was a thing at, every, at any point in the NFL. Did, that was – you had monstrous 300-pound defensive linemen, and poor offensive tackles were trying to, like, catch them between their elbows. Is there, is there any game that has looked that different over, say, like a 40- or 50-year period? Like, basketball looked a little different back then, but not that drastic. Baseball, <laughs> hockey, like, like the difference in football, yeah. strategically, just looked goofier. Like, it was kind of the same game, but it just looked, you know— it just looked like it was being played by nerds rather than like you know hyper athletes like it is today. Less athletic. Yeah, but the game was kind of the same, right? Soccer again, similar thing. It's like the only difference here is that this is like more violent, you know, and probably less skillful. Far more tangents. In Whereas the show. football, it's like you know the the intricacies in dropping back in a pass set and using your hands and all this kind of stuff versus the dude just trying to catch somebody between the elbows and not get run over. So, again, we're only saying this because the Eagles are allowing like 75% completions this year. Every AFC West quarterback is averaging is at 87% or whatever it is. So, uh, Teddy Bridgewater completion percentage record watch. We're on it right now because of the way the Eagles are playing. Soft defensively, allowing all the underneath stuff. All that said, they're not the worst defense in the league. They, they are, they're not giving up big plays. They're not a complete train wreck as far as their uh, pass coverage unit goes. Um, it's just a very... It's a unique style that they're running there. Um, and then you got Jalen Hurts and that offense that has started to run the ball a lot more these last couple weeks. Do they keep that up against this Denver defense? But it, like Philadelphia is as legitimately like the most vanilla defense in the NFL. They yes. do nothing complex. They do nothing exotic. They don't do anything schematically to like cause you a second's pause or adjust what you're thinking at any point. So it's literally just... they. 
they run an offense that's kind of like from the 1960s. It's like, this is what we do. If you can beat it, fair play. If you can, but we think we'll out-execute Defense? You. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's their game plan. And honestly, Teddy Bridgewater is a pretty good quarterback to dissect that. Like, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's accurate enough to take whatever you give him. The only issue with Teddy Bridgewater is, like, is he going to give you enough on top of that to beat the best teams? But against Philadelphia, he could legitimately roll and have a really good game. Uh, by the way, Vinny Testaverde once had a game with 91% completion rate. Huh, Vinny. Uh, also, somebody called Dewey Warren back in the 60s. Can you close out the completion percentage record page, please? It's interesting. And get back on track I'm, I'm fascinated by some of the names on here. Lynn Dickey. Anyway, uh, I'm curious to see if the Eagles' offense will continue this trend of running the ball the way they probably should have been since week one. Like, they seem to have sort of stumbled into this by mistake the last couple of weeks, and it's actually the best thing that could have happened to them. Um, Denver's defense has given up some big games on the ground to teams that are prepared to run the ball on them. Like, if you're Philadelphia, that's that should absolutely be the game plan. Denver's number nine in run defense grades, but their best run defender... Uh, well, their best run defenders this season. Alexander Johnson, Hurt, and then Vaughn Miller uh, off to uh, the Rams. Yeah. Shelby Harris has played well, too. It's just saying they're... And also, a lot of like a lot of their run defense failures come from plays that wouldn't necessarily comp anybody a downgrade. You know what I mean? It's like sure. bad run fits from a kind of call perspective. Or like, just being outnumbered. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So, like, against Pittsburgh, there were a bunch of plays where, like, nobody's at fault. They just have one fewer guy that they need to stop this run. And they were doing that consistently. Another thing I had to explain to Steelers fans that, like, the offensive line actually wasn't better against the Broncos in that particular game. It was just, you know, they there was bad run fits. There was a few bad plays in there by the Broncos. So that's kind of the matchup here, right? We always talk about the too-high shell and the teams that like to invite the run. The Broncos like to invite the run. The Eagles, if they start leaning on this system that doesn't uh, rely on Jalen Hurts to drop back 40 or 50 times, and actually they'd rather him drop back only 20 times, um, if the Eagles lean into that, then Broncos have to do a better job stopping the run. So it's a good good little cat-and-mouse game in this one. I do like the way Denver's offense matches up. I also – do you have any any concerns with how good Denver played, how well they played against the Cowboys, Mm -hmm. and being able to back that up week to week? Was that a – was that an outlier where they just stepped up against a really good team? Or is th- that showing like, hey, Denver, you may have been sleeping on them for a couple of weeks, but they are actually for real and making a playoff run here? I think it was kind of fluky. Um, I think they were able to take advantage of a massive mismatch up front with Terrence Steele at left tackle. I think that certainly helped. I think that actually caused a lot of Dallas's problems. Like if from that point on, Dak Prescott started playing badly and then the receivers aren't making their plays and blah, blah, blah. I think what it showed is not so much that Denver is for real, but that if you – you can't just dismiss them. Like, they're dangerous against anybody. They are good enough, that, particularly on defense. Like, that defense can show up against anybody, and suddenly it's a completely different game than you thought it was going to be going into it. Their offense is good enough to put up some points because of all the playmakers. It's like I don't, I don't think you look at that and say, wow, Denver's a lot better than we thought they were. I think you just look at that and say, if they run into a team that's having a bad day, they're definitely good enough to take advantage of it and stomp all over them. The uh, Browns beat up on the Broncos a couple weeks ago, too, as far as the run game goes. But again, on paper, the Cowboys should have had success, and they had no success anywhere. So 
predicting football is tough sometimes i'm going to go denver though i'm going to buy into a little bit of last week's hype not all of it but enough for them to uh to cover the two and a half and uh, i will god i don't like either of these two teams uh no who does this besides, is weird I, you besides might, eagles and broncos fans. i think you're going to see a lot of points in this game it's like the opposite of the patriots browns one where really the weaknesses on both teams i think are how they match up with the opposing offense so denver will, will move the ball at will philadelphia will probably move the ball at will but if you have more confidence in one quarterback than the other it's probably teddy is that true They've had one of the – they are up there in EPA per play as an offense. Denver win and cover. You're taking Denver as well. Cole like taking the Broncos. They, can you give me another small H, please? Oh, yeah. Let me throw that in there. <laughs> I'll start talking about Seattle Seahawks at the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers back as of Saturday, and uh, Russ is back, right? There was a hype video. There was a hype video. There have been hype videos for everything, though. There was a hype video for him doing an X-ray. It's true. He's – uh He's a big hype guy. I mean, certainly... But there was a Monday hype video that said he's back, presumably to play football this Sunday. He was certainly activated and practicing as a full participant. Yeah, that so would suggest playing. he's playing. So Rodgers versus Russ. And uh, Green Bay still favored by three and a half here. What are you looking for as I type in your little H's for uh, hate? Well, what Who is... Uh, the Chargers? No, the, the Eagles-Denver game. There was, there was other hate you had there, too. The Kansas City one, yeah. It was Kansas City. Um... I'm like, what does Russell Wilson look like playing with mallet finger? Um, I assume it's gone. I assume well, yeah, the mallet finger is like, gone. It, it hasn't. It's not a hundred percent. I mean, the dude just had a like pin taken out of his finger. You're telling me that that like he's going to pick up a ball tomorrow, fire it out there, and there's nothing. Like it's just I'm healed. Yeah, it's a miracle. Yeah, I'm one of the greatest healers of all time, right up there with Lazarus and Jesus, and uh, Wolverine. Yeah. Him. I mean, Jesus is really responsible for Lazarus, too. So it's really true. Just, that's true. Yeah. That's, it's all him, really. Correct. So Jesus, number one, Wolverine, number two, Russ, number three. Correct. Okay. Lazarus deserves no credit. He was more the uh, true, true. beneficiary. He's <laughs> really vicarious healing abilities. Um, I just don't believe that it's – I just don't believe he's 100%. I can't – <laughs> I have a finger that I broke like five years ago, and it's still not 100%. You're telling me that mallet finger over there had the pin taken out like last week, are and you, he's good to go? I'm you, not one of the greatest healers of all time. Thinking, yeah. But I don't believe there's that much difference between not one of the greatest healers of all time and one of the greatest healers of all time. Did you see the hype video? No, I didn't. I didn't it didn't say it. like, I'm feeling a little bit better. Yeah. You know, I'm 80%. Uh, it said, I'm back. It did. It's go time. Yeah. When Russ tells me he's back, he's back. So this is full Russ. I just, I don't believe it until I see it. I don't believe it until I see it, Steve. Are you surprised it's a three and a half point spread? I know it's, it's, so it's at Green Bay. So if you give the three points, they're saying, okay, these teams are somewhat close. Um, it still feels, I don't know. I, I think Seattle is better. Even when Russ was playing, they were better than their record would show. It's the Seahawks. They play every game like the Vikings close and crazy. And you just kind of trust trust Russ to, to bail you out in the fourth quarter. It should be a good game. It should be a really good game here. Yeah, but I think that's what, it's, that's what the line is reflecting. It's like this team is actually pretty crappy except for Russ. Mm. And Russ, when he is able to bail them out, everything's fine. But A, how often is he able to do that given the current state of the team? And B, is he even going to be 100% Russ with the mallet finger? So I think the Packers are a better team. Certainly on defense, they're significantly better. Um, the offense... Maybe not, but like that's the difference. It's Green Bay has a better team around Aaron Rodgers than Seattle has around Russ, 
and then there's the lingering effect of we don't quite know what Russ is yet. I, I'm trying to figure out what <clears throat> what to make of the the Green Bay defense. So last, so they've tried to emulate a lot of what the Seahawks do. I'm sorry, the Rams do defensively and all that. That's how the Packers have played. That was the scheme, the system that did give uh, Russell Wilson a lot of trouble last year. And as much as we we talked about the Vikings kind of hiding their corners and all that stuff, without Jair Alexander, it's been, you know, Kevin King just got back last week. Eric Stokes has been up and down. Uh, Rasul Douglas has been the guy that stepped in and made some plays over these last few weeks. How long can the Packers make do with those guys at corner, especially going up against the Seahawks team that's going to rely on their outside receivers, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, no OBJ going to Seattle is, I think, what we've... That's the conclusion, I think, because they were they were the hot team for a while. I don't think we're going to see OBJ there. Um, he is. Uh, he is. What was the latest? Uh, <laughs> taking a few days. Yeah, it was the latest. I'm trying to find a nice word for like water carrying. Um, but the latest tweet that was obviously sent out by OJ, o, Odell Beckham's team to the guy that will immediately tweet it out to the world as yeah. the, the news. Um, yeah, he's like mulling over a lot of attractive options. You know, like. Mm. Which sounded a lot like, remember when Greg Williams was like, I'm getting, I got like a million offers. I can't, I can't see for the offers thrown my way to coach teams. Like every, every team in the NFL is asking me to be their defensive coordinator. I just, I'm going to take a little bit of time, work through which ones I'm actually going to settle for, and I'll pick a team. Are you telling me, like, so, so if I'm in contract negotiations with PFF here, yeah. I just got to, you know, send a little DM Shefty's way or Rap Sheet or Breer or whatever. I'll go to Breer. Okay. Palazole is mullet. Palzol is mulling, mulling over it. Multiple yeah, yeah. front office A lot of gigs, attractive offers come in. A couple media gigs because I'm versatile. Yeah. You know, I'm, I mean, I could go whichever career path. I can go future GM. Uh-huh. I could go, you know, future Stephen A. Smith. Whatever, you, whatever it is. No, you can't. I definitely can't do that. No. But I could, go, I could go the media route. I can go the, you know, front yeah. office route. Okay. And I'll just have, I'll have one of those, you know, one of those guys just tweet it out. Yeah, you know, yeah. Steve's really forced a, Chris's hand. A lot of attractive offers right? come in. It's going to take a few days to work through the particulars, and then he'll make a decision. So this will test it out. Does Chris listen to the preview show, <laughs> or can, does he only have time for the review show during the week? What if he does, and he just texts back, like, take the offer? <laughs> yeah. See you later. Yeah, right. Take your fake offers and get out of here. <laughs> just right. take your pick of the fake I'm offers. Just glad you're off my book. This one's off the table. Someone else's headache. Yeah. Great. Uh, anyway. That would uh, backfire. Too many tangents today. But people people realize, right, that's how that works. Agents just directly tell the NFL insiders I mean, what they want to have out there. Robert Clem- And that completely influences public perception. Robert Klemko had a good thread about the Dalvin Cook stuff, right? Like Dalvin Cook claimed that he's the victim of some domestic violence dispute. The the woman claims that she's the victim. It's a he said, she said thing. There's a, there's a case going on right now. But Klemko essentially documented that, like, right as soon as this was about to break, Dalvin Cook's agent essentially texts Schefter, DM Schefter, whatever it is, and just, like, drops Dalvin's side of the story. Schefter immediately tweets it out as the scoop, and all of a sudden, everybody, like, that's the story, right? Like, Dalvin's side is the side everybody's running with. And now the other side is the one that has to, like, claw back public perception and try and figure out wherever the hell this lies in terms of the he said, she said thing. But, yes, like, there is a whole world of these people whose job it is to get the information out first, to be the guy that scoops. 
there's not a whole lot of like corroboration being done on a lot of this stuff. I mean, that's how that's how news media works. Yes, is yeah, put stuff out there, right, with whatever angle or twist or whatever, you, however you want it to be perceived. So, just uh, there's your PSA. Anyway, uh, Green Bay and Seattle with uh, with Russ coming back. I am looking forward to what the Green Bay defense does uh, with their corners on the outside because um, last week or the last time we saw Seattle play. DK and Lockett, I know it was Geno Smith under mm. center, but they had like 90% of the targets. And I think that that is still how Seattle wants to play, to go through those guys. So it, it is going to put pressure on those outside corners in Green Bay in this one. Agreed. Can Seattle stop, stop Green Bay's offense, though? Uh, no. They don't have many great cornerbacks, and Green Bay has Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams again. The one element here, <clears throat> if Rodgers can't... So he's not he can't be activated till Saturday. So he's in meetings, game plans and all right. that stuff, but he will not be able to practice obviously with anybody. He could throw, do whatever he wants on the side with I don't I don't know who he could throw to. I don't know what the rules are here, but I mean, presumably he could do whatever he wants at his house and, you know, throw a football. Yeah. But I do wonder how much rust there would be. I would imagine not much. You don't think so? It's not like it's the man's first rodeo. He's been around a while. He's thrown to Devontae yeah, Adams but quite when you a are, lot in the past. When you are a professional athlete, Sam, yeah, and you are in a groove, in a routine, uh-huh. just getting out of your routine for two or three days can feel like an eternity. It can throw you off. And we're talking about a 10-day difference here of You're telling not me- throwing the same way. And, and football is a timing and rhythm game and all that stuff. It can have an effect. You're telling me that in the course of the last 10 days, Aaron Rodgers has forgotten how to throw the back shoulder fade to Devontae Adams. It's not that. It's just you, when to be that good it takes accuracy. It takes it takes reps to be. You don't. You don't. Yeah, but they're like they've already got them. They're built in. They're like money. No, but bank. you don't just like roll out of bed as you know an accurate quarterback or you know and having that timing and all that stuff. It's you can you can be off a little bit if you don't have that practice time or you don't have that usual routine. If you, I'm saying, if your routine is thrown off. <laughs> then your game performance can be thrown off. This I'm, is not a non-factor, is what I'm saying. I am going to go ahead and say that Rodgers to Adams is going to be fine. I'm sure they will, I'm, but there's other throws he's going to make, not necessarily to Adams. I'm saying, is he going to be inaccurate on throws that he usually is accurate? Is is the velocity still going to be there? Is everything still going to be there for this one week? I'm less worried about velocity, more worried about accuracy and seeing the field and, and all that stuff, right? Ten days is a long time to not practice. Sure. That's, I mean, it's not like he's done nothing. The dude hasn't just been sitting on the couch for 10 days. I'm sure he's been doing football applicable things. Rodgers will be fine. Rodgers will look like Aaron Rodgers in this game. He didn't look like he was all that sick. So no. He, probably like he, had, he was down for like a day, and then he's up and running again. Yeah. He's fine. Also, by the way, Aaron Rodgers, the man motivated by spite, the man now has the entire world hating on him. Like he's going to go out there and set fire to the Seattle defense just to make a point. Oh, so you're going all in Green Bay by Green Bay. So you're going to go Green Bay. I'm going to put a little S next to it. Well, I can't have them covering because it's Seattle. Oh. It's three and a half, and Seattle always plays like the Vikings. It's always a close game. So you're going to take Seattle? So Green Bay wins, but Seattle covers. I'm taking Green Bay to win and cover for spite. Yeah. Spite game. I mean, spite's a big part. Aaron Rodgers' spite game. Yeah. I just talked myself out of the uh, the rust factor. Well done. Yeah. Not rust, rust. It's almost like it's that. It's rust was, versus rust. It's almost like that was a terrible point from the outset. Uh, you, you're going to see it. When he sails his first throw, rusty. Los Angeles Rams at the San Francisco 49ers, Monday Night Football. The, I can't uh, wait to like some point in that game, he just misses a throw, and you're going to be like, Rust, told you. 
Oh, it's happening. You'd be like, be like 12 for 12, and then the 13th pass, he Looks misses rusty. slightly. And like, Look at that rust. If, if he'd been practicing all week, I want would have nailed that one. That's something our, uh, our, our listeners and viewers can do. So what I want during the game, when we're watching Aaron Rodgers together on Sunday, let's, uh, let's, let's have like a rust factor, 1 to 10. You know, like where is he going to lay like every throw? You want to crowdsource rust the rust? Yeah. So if he overthrows, it's like rust factor of 10. Right. Big time throw, rust factor of, you know, negative 10. <laughs> you know, he's fine. So we'll do a little rust factor on, uh, uh, what's his name? Aaron Rodgers coming back. <laughs> How's the quick uh, fire thing going? Not that quick. Okay. Rams Niners. I want a deep dive on the Shanahan thing here. Oh, great. That'll help speed, right? speed up the We're process. We're not going fast. Enough, but, I mean, there's a lot of – every other spread is eight or higher after this game. <laughs> so we can go rapid fire through those yeah, other that's actually true. lopsided games. Eight and a half or higher. Dallas by nine over Atlanta is a monster number for my up-and-coming Falcons. That is a monster number. Vegas does not believe the Falcons are the, the borderline playoff team that I believe they are now. No, no, they don't. It's they almost like they've been burned by them a million times in the past as well. The guy in Vegas has been burned. Um, so did uh, was it Ben Solak that wrote the article about Shanahan, the personnel evaluator? Yep. Versus, I, I didn't get a chance to actually read it. I understand the premise of uh, this is <laughs> it's not a complicated premise. <laughs> every, everything I hate, though. Let me comment on the thing that I didn't read. Yeah. I only read a headline about, but I understand the basic premise, right? Shanahan, the evaluator, versus Shanahan, the offensive coordinator. We've had some questions about this as well. Do you have a take? on uh, Mike Shanahan and his stint here now with the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan. What did I say? Mike. Mike. Ah, it's because Mike's in the intro. Yeah, that's exactly why it is. I've been misspeaking a lot. So you don't think rust is a factor? No. Not for a dude who's just been like 10 days out of the picture. Because I've been screwing up a lot. If he hadn't been played for like nine months, sure. But like... I'm saying like I might be rusty. I'm screwing a bunch of names. I might be overworked. I was going to say, it's not rust. You did a podcast yesterday. Yeah. Two of them, in fact. Eight podcasts a week, I think, is starting to catch up yeah, to me. I don't my think voice, voice is your problem. My voice, my accuracy, names. Your accuracy's off, yeah. Yeah. I've, I mean, my picks last week were trash. Well, you, maybe, you, you know, the idea that you can overtrain. Maybe that's where you are right now. I might be. You've been I overtrained. A, I might need a week off. Overtrained, you're burned out. Should I take a week off, let you run solo for a Definitely, little bit? yeah, yeah. Maybe get, do that. Get the voice and the picks back on track? Well, maybe you'll be so embarrassed by... Me catching one of your pitches and driving it over the fence. That oh, I would have to take. A week I would off. probably take a week off. Right, that's what I'm saying. Anyway, where do you want to go with this? What is it true? The Kyle Shanahan, the personnel evaluators, dragging down Kyle Shanahan, the coach. Yeah. Yes. Where, where has the personnel been a failure uh, in acquiring personnel? Now, it's him and John Lynch, and but he has final say, right? He's got the 51 percent in this arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but they've also John Lynch has generally leaned on the you know he's making a lot of the defensive calls and Kyle's making a lot of the offensive calls. I think. Go ahead. Do you you really think there's a? Yeah, I mean, look at this. Off, you think there's a talent hole here? Yeah, like how could, this is a team that went to the Super Bowl fairly recently, and now they it's like okay. Kyle Shanahan has never had a good quarterback to work with. They draft one this team, this offseason. He hasn't played. Jimmy Garoppolo is who he is. But, like, look at the, the other issues. This roster, it's got the same quarterback situation it's had for years. And the, off, the team is worse because the talent is worse. Like, the defense that was really good for a while 
uh, has completely eroded. They trade away guys like DeForest Buckner, and you do that gamble of we're going to replace him with the player, with the pick that we got for trading him away, and Javon Kinlaw hasn't worked. You know, it's not been, a one-for-one, one, though, because there's a lot of money that would have been locked up in DeForest yeah, Buckner, so you're like, getting other potential players in But there it as is well. a one-for-one one plus the money. Like, it's a financial move. You're gambling, essentially, that you can replace that player with the same thing for cheaper, which you're not most of the time going to be able to do. The Vikings got away with it with Stephon Diggs to Justin Jefferson. In fact, not just got away with it, but, like, nailed it. The 49ers essentially tried the same trick, and DeForest Buckner to Javon Kinlaw has been a disaster. Kinlaw has been injured a lot. It's not just that he hasn't been able to replicate uh, replicate what Buckner does on the field, but he hasn't. Um, the cornerbacks have all disappeared at this point. They're, they're injured. They've gotten old. They've left, whatever. They're not what they used to be. I think that's the biggest issue. I mean, the, just the whole thing, top to bottom. It's not what it used to be. The team is not as good. So all of a sudden, Kyle Shanahan is doing much of the same thing, and it isn't good enough anymore because everything else around him is bad. I think a lot of this is an overreaction because I'm going to take a, a macro take a step back view of this they the quarterback that they wanted was jimmy garoppolo and when they've had jimmy garoppolo kyle shanahan and the 49ers won about 70 percent of their games yeah with jimmy garoppolo right and i think if you take shanahan's he gets there in 2017 and if you take his entire body of work and you look at the overall record it's not good but still about half the games have been with Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard under center. As great as C.J. Beathard is right now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, the highest-graded quarterback in the NFL. I mean, on a throw, per-throw basis, that man He is, is uh... out of this world. And perhaps they did. Maybe it was a bad personnel decision. Maybe Beathard was ready to take that step. <laughs> but 70, they, 70% of their games, they've won with Jimmy Garoppolo under center. And that's with, you know, we know Jimmy Garoppolo is a mid-tier quarterback at best, and they want to upgrade him and all that stuff. Um, and maybe... Kyle Shanahan, the personnel guy, with all the rumors that he wanted Mac Jones, maybe that was the right move. Do are we buying that? I am. Why? I don't know. It came from the guy that was carrying his water. It came through the uh, the source that we were talking about earlier. The guy that wants you to believe that. Where? Who? Huh? Who did it come from? It comes through Shafter. Shafter said that Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones. That he wanted Mac, and that other people in the organization wanted Trey Lance. And that, and that as the process went on, maybe they ended up – I think it was, it was Shanahan made the move to go get Mac Jones. That feels – They made the trade to go get Mac Jones, and then they – Shanahan's not absolved in this whole thing. Look. But what, for what, they, they convinced themselves, or they, they were listening to the, to the uh, forecast and the betting market that said Mac Jones is trash and that you guys need to get Trey Lance. There is – Either way, they came around to, to drafting Trey Lance. No. The, now, for, really quick. There is no evidence that we know that Mac. Like, there's not enough evidence that Mac Jones is better than Trey Lance. Long I mean, that's term. one we're, part. Yeah, like, it's early, but rumor has it that's what. There's a lot that is unknown and sort of plausible about this whole what the 49ers did to when they drafted when they traded up to number three from twelve when they drafted the quarterback how that whole process worked. The one thing that I would be almost certain did not happen is that Kyle Shanahan. Determined, was so determined that he was going to trade from number 12 to number 3 from Mac Jones. And then the resulting criticism and ridicule from the outside world convinced him to go in a different direction. Well, that I know. That is the but one I think internally thing that, that I'm 100% certain did not happen. But I think internally they had that same struggle, which was not only, not only like 
do you really want to go get Mac Jones? But it was also Trey Lance really grew on them in the entire process. They went through the whole process. Trey Lance became their guy. Yeah. As a group. But that's different to I want Mac Jones and everybody else is talking me out of it. Like, I think they traded up from 12 to 3. For Mac Jones. No. Yes. No. Initially, that was the play. I don't think it was. I think they traded from 12 to 3 because when they went through all those quarterbacks, they were in the same spot I was, which is, you know what? I actually like all five of these guys. Like, the... Teams like the Eagles like two of the five. And as soon as they didn't have a shot of the two, they're out. I think the 49ers liked all five of those, those first-round quarterbacks and were comfortable with a choice of three of them at the top. And then as they make, so they make the move knowing that they're going to get a quarterback that they're perfectly comfortable with. As the process went along and they went through rounds two, rounds three, they shifted away from Mac Jones towards Trey Lance. And I understand why they did that based off even now. You're like, okay, Mac Jones has been by far the best of the rookie quarterbacks. But you're kind of left with this question of, yeah, he's been the guy he was at Alabama. How much better can it get? Like, he's really accurate. He puts the ball where it needs to go right now. Does he still – does he have – can he make the throws that Justin Fields was making on Monday night? I think that's still an open question. And therefore, I think – you need to to have success. You need some of them. And I think that's a – the the question of how There's good like he can be. There's like one throw that Fields made that you would say, ah, maybe Mac rolling to his left isn't making that throw. Nah, There's like two or three. fade and a seam route. I mean, it was two on. or three from that game that you're like, I don't know, Mac Jones has that club in the bag. Um, but the point, like, that's the open question, is how good can you be with him at quarterback? So I think ultimately they went, Trey Lance is the guy with all the throws in his bag and the running game stuff, and okay, he might be a bit more rough around the edges than Mac Jones, but the long-term outlook is higher. And that's fine. And so, so all I certainly fine. don't but if buy you're gonna, that he was like in on Mac Jones and then everyone else talked him down from the ledge. I'm just saying at a macro view, if you're going to say Shanahan, the personnel evaluator, is what's holding him back, I would, I would argue he's had his starting quarterback 50% of his games. In yeah. those games, they've won 70% of their games. And now he's handpicked, they have handpicked a second quarterback, Trey Lance, and we haven't seen those results yet. Yeah. So I think for somehow... Kyle Shanahan, they've done a masterful job of actually saying, well, the jury's still out. I haven't had a quarterback. I, the guy that I got, I win most of the time. And then here's this other guy I got. Give me a chance with Trey Lance. And, I, you know, they have a chance to have success with Trey Lance whenever he ends up taking over. Right, but at some point you have to acknowledge, like, the rest of the roster. You can't just be like— that's, Is that how much of that's Kyle versus John Lynch? Well, if Kyle is the guy that has final say, it's him. It's Bobby Slowick's fault. Probably. Complain, yeah. Bobby. Anyway— uh, Rams, and, Rams and Niners. We had to have that discussion. That was more of a Wednesday discussion that I brought into the Thursday pod. Sorry. Yeah, well done. Uh, Rams favored by four coming off that uh, rough outing against the Titans. Is that the Rams coming back down to earth? Are they going to get back to where they were against the Niners here? It seems like the matchup is going to be a lot more favorable for the Rams offense to uh, not look as bad as they did against the Titans. Yeah. I mean, like Matthew Stafford's unlikely to have as many crazy throws that he had against the Titans, you know ridiculous pick six in the end zone type of deal another like they, those those aren't happening again right yeah. i know that stafford is generally prone to that type of play but that was one of those that was like the game that stafford has every now and again where all of the bad comes out in one go uh i would imagine this looks a lot more like the rest of their season which has been overwhelmingly positive and the 49ers defense doesn't have the horses to match up and stop the guys like cooper cup running free in the middle of the defense so, yeah, I would imagine the, the, the Rams offense gets way back on track and rolls. I agree, and I also think the, um, 
an offensive line note here at left tackle for the Niners Trent Williams with a 96 grade on pace to have that'd be like the best grade of all time that we've given a tackle I believe Um, but at right tackle the great Mike McGlinchey is out for the season he's hurt leaving potentially Tom Compton replacing him at right tackle with uh, Vaughn Miller maybe making his debut for the Rams here Uh, it looks like the Niners that's the other part of this whole Shanahan thing the injury situation in San Francisco yeah they've been been beaten up just terrible for the last two years but this is just another one and another potential i'm not saying that like shanahan the the coach and or personnel guy is solely responsible like they have had some things go against them as well but at some point you have to say the like we're not batting with a particularly high percentage here so what are you expecting in this one the rams to win relatively comfortably yeah i think they i think so as well uh, Both taking the Rams here? Yeah. Green line doesn't, interestingly. <clears throat> they like the Niners, huh? Uh, more than the line, but yes. It's Rams by four as of right now. Uh, we'll take the Rams to cover that. It is on the road uh, with the Niners. Always an interesting battle with Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan going head-to-head. So it should be a fun one either way. Like I said, the rest of the games are eight or more as far as the spreads go. We can go a little bit quicker through these. I would hope so. Uh, Tampa Bay Bucks at the Washington football team. Rematch from last year's wild card game in which Taylor Heineke had an elite 90-plus grade. Can Heineke uh, replicate that? This no. There, <laughs> there's no. been no evidence of that so far this year. And in fact, the Heineke thing is kind of bumming me out at this point. Like we thought, or I thought, he was just a he was just Ryan Fitzpatrick after the Gillette commercial, right? He was just shaved Fitzpatrick. Um but he hasn't been. Like no. there's been no up to the roller coaster. It's been just it's actually been pretty consistently just meh to, to ugly. The peak of the coaster was Thursday night football against the Giants. It really was. Um and since then it's been a bunch of games that are bad, a bunch of games that are like average, and where's the good? Like wh- there's no high end game yet. Now, I don't know if that means he's due one and we're going to get the, the next 90 grade, um, but they haven't been there for a while. On the other side, Tampa Bay. Uh, but one last point about that, by the way. They've had like one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. So he's actually had a pretty good platform to yeah. go and be Taylor Heineke, and it hasn't happened. They're a little banged up up front, the football team, with uh, Chase Rolliezo for the season. Their center, uh, Samuel Cosby, is going to be questionable for this game. So they're a little bit banged up uh, up front, but... On the other side, Tampa Bay, uh, both of these teams coming off a bye as well. Tampa Bay coming off a bye somehow more injured than they were going in. Chris Godwin <laughs> was held out of Wednesday's practice with a foot injury. Um, so Godwin is hurt. Rob Gronkowski didn't practice as well. He, was, uh, he played about five snaps uh, before the bye week, was coming off that, uh, the rib injury, and Antonio Brown still in a walking boot and uh, only doing side work. So you're talking about this team that is loaded with playmakers, and uh, three of those stars are all out. Scotty Miller is designated to return and potentially would come back. There's your deep threat, your speed guy. Um, but they're, I think they signed Rashad Perryman. I mean, they're preparing for probably no Gronk, no Chris Godwin, and no Antonio Brown. And that could, the nine and a half points, it could make that a little bit more attractive for the uh, football team here. Yeah. This is, yeah, it, this is a game where I think Tampa Bay is clearly the better team. The Heineke's been disappointing. But in a one game outing you could definitely see this being closer than the point spread is like i tampa bay is dealing with a lot right now um and washington consistently this year should have been better than they've shown so far so i can definitely see how this game would end up being closer if heineke can take care of the ball though the buck you know the bucks have allowed 
underneath stuff. You know, if he takes those underneath completions, Heineke, I think, could move the ball. I think it'll be a decent game. I'll say the Bucks pull away late and uh, end up covering that nine and a half ultimately on the road here. Heineke has three games this season with at least three turnover worthy plays, one more with two. Um, but the flip side of that is he also has uh, three games with no turnover worthy plays. Like that's that's where the variance in his play has been. Yeah. It's like how many catastrophic errors are you going to make? Are you going to make none or are you going to make three? But if he like, makes none, this is a close game, I think. Probably. But the, the thing, the weird part about him is that that's, that explains all of the variance in his game, which is why his, his grades have gone from like average to terrible. Yeah. But the good is like, where, is the, where are the good plays you're making? Because those just aren't there. The one other piece of this on the Washington football team, Montez Sweat's hurt. He's going to miss a few weeks. But the football team's pass rush grade, still number two, coverage grade is 37. They have an 81 pass rush grade, a 37 coverage grade. I keep waiting for those two things to converge at some point, to to get closer to each other, and it's like they're diverging instead. Um, and also, Tom Brady's got a pretty good history against Jack Del Rio-led defenses, so I think the Bucks will be okay offensively. It really does come down to if Heineke can uh, take care of the ball and keep the football team in it to stay within stay within a score and you know give the football team a chance to pull it off. But I want a good Taylor Heineke game. I'm, I, this is the week. It's going to happen. We haven't had one, and I'm missing it. Taylor Heineke is a, Take is your a team. fun quarterback. It's going to happen this week. And I need good Taylor Heineke because bad Taylor Heineke is depressing. It's happening this week. You taking Washington because he's going to do it? Uh, to cover, yes. To win, God, no. <laughs> they could pull the upset. Uh, mm-hmm. Sure. Atlanta Falcons at the Dallas Cowboys. This is the one. Dallas by nine. And, you know, look, if, if, if last week didn't happen – where Dallas got destroyed against the Broncos. I don't know if I would balk at this. So I, I don't know if I'm overrating last week's game too much. I really think it was just an anomaly for the Cowboys. However, hmm. nine does feel like a lot for an Atlanta Falcons team that has a lot going for them as far as what, you know, with Kyle Pitts and Cordell Patterson and Matt Ryan playing some pretty good football. Nine just feels like a lot, even with Dallas, even with me not overrating Dallas getting crushed last week by the Broncos. So it might be an anomaly, but it's an anomaly whose primary driving source seems to still be there, which is like Terrence Steele at left tackle. Yeah. I don't understand why you make that move. I think that that's a, that's a mistake when it comes to your potential options. So Tyron Smith goes down. Tyron Smith is the second best graded offensive tackle in the NFL this year behind only Trent Williams. He Him being back to his best has been a huge part of the reason this team has been so successful. But remember... Lyle Collins, their starting right tackle, was suspended for a while because of a questionable relationship with the drug testing man um, person. Uh, Very diplomatic. Thank you. So they bring in Terrence Steele to play right tackle while while Lyle Collins isn't playing. Terrence Steele plays so well at right tackle that when Collins comes back, they don't automatically give him the job back. So remember, like, they're running these, like, jumbo packages with – lineman in the backfield is like a fullback they're talking about you know maybe collins plays left guard instead of connor williams just to get him on the field because obviously he's a pro bowl caliber player but they felt that terrence Steele had like earned the starting gig for a while um so then tyron smith goes down and you're left with the so who then goes in to play right uh, Ty Secchi had been a backup left tackle. He'd been pretty horrendous anytime he's gone near the field. Don't you disparage the great saying, name of Ty Inseki. They don't want to put him out there in place of Tyron Smith. 
Maybe they should. And I would agree. Uh, so your two other options are Lyle Collins or Terrence Steele. Now, technically, Terrence Steele is like the swing tackle. You know, that's why he's there. So they move him to left tackle. But, A, he'd been playing well enough for right tackle that you kind of gave him the starting job. B, he's never really been a left tackle before. Like, the last time he played left tackle for any extended period of time was his freshman year in college. And C, Lyle Collins actually has quite an extensive history at left tackle. Like, he was a good left tackle in college. Now, hasn't done it in the NFL. Seven years ago. Sure, but it, like that's more like he at least has shown that he can do it. Whereas every time you put Terrence Steele at left tackle, the guy gets his ass kicked. So if it was me and I was asking myself which one is the better option at left tackle, I would be putting Collins there. They went the other direction. They put Steele there, and Steele got ripped to pieces. Um, they sound like they're going to do it again. Like that seems like their plan. At which point, I would say that's a pretty significant problem for that team. Is it a problem? Against Atlanta, though. I mean, Does Atlanta actually have... It's not like Adrian Claiborne's on the other side. Remember that game a couple years ago? when Chaz the, Green. Same exact thing. Chaz, the, the famous Chaz Green game where Adrian Claiborne had, what, six sacks? Yeah. Against Chaz Green. So this has happened before. However, it's a different Falcons world. There is no Adrian Claiborne over there. True. He's got one move that can dominate Chaz Green. It is the lowest pass rushing grade in the NFL and uh, a team that just does not have a very good group of edge defenders. So. No, but I still think, like, basically any capable edge rusher can... Dante Fowler, designated to return Wednesday. Yeah. So he would be the one guy that could potentially exploit it. He's not great, but he's the best that the Falcons right. have to offer. I think any kind of capable edge rusher can win that kind of matchup. You'll be sad to know that uh, Lee Smith is questionable for this game. Damn it. That's your guy. My guy, too. I mean, any time you can take an offensive lineman, call him a tight end, and throw him out there for some pass routes every now and again... Well, That's particularly, exciting. I mean, it's one thing, it's, it's good when he was a lineman to begin with, and it's, you know, it's funny because of that, but it, Lee Smith just is a lineman in shape. I mean, he came in as a tight end, got converted to a tackle. Did he ever actually got, get converted as a tackle? I don't know. If he, I don't think he did. I think he's just grown larger as a tight a, end. and now be, glorified. Right, and now he's essentially basically. an auxiliary offensive lineman, but all of a sudden is catching some passes again. Yeah, so you fun. have this dude that legitimately looks like a tackle, but he wears 85 and catches some passes, and that's just funny. It is. It is hilarious. Anyway, I think um, nine feels high. I think matchup-wise, you've got, again, Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson, uh, those guys. We are two weeks removed from the Falcons not doing anything against the Panthers' defense. Um, did a nice job last week against the Saints' defense, but Kyle Pitt might see some Kyle Pitts versus uh, Tra- Trayvon Diggs. Sure. In this matchup, uh, but I just again I'll I roll with the Falcons every single week here. Nine is a lot, but maybe Dallas. We're one week removed from saying they just beat the Vikings with Cooper Rush, this great all around team. The, the only loss that they'd had until last week was on a game winning field goal against the Bucks in Week One. I mean, last week's game, not that Denver's bad or anything like that, but might be the biggest anomaly of this entire season. But the way it happened, they were thirty. The Jags just beat the Bills. It's a good point. <laughs> Second biggest anomaly uh-huh. of the season. Um, 30 to nothing, though. That's massive. Until I mean, it was 30-16, but it was 30 to nothing at one point. Yeah. So, anyway, after all that, where are you going here? I agree that nine is a lot and probably too much for a team that's starting Terrence Steele at left ankle. Uh, also, by the way, Randy Gregory got hurt in individual drills yesterday, Wednesday. So he's out for multiple weeks. That's that's significant for a yeah, team that's, that's been relying on his edge rush a lot. 
Um, I think Dallas still wins relatively easily, but I could see Atlanta covering. All right, so you're taking Atlanta? To cover, yes. To cover. Uh, Carolina Panthers at the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Sam Darnold is out, what, four to six weeks, is it, with the uh, shoulder? Yeah. That means it is Philip P.J. Walker time. We should probably give Sam Darnold, not credit, some kind of break for playing with a busted shoulder. Oh, like, you remember, you. We, we've been cutting Baker Mayfield a break for basically playing the whole season with an injury to his non-throwing shoulder yep. that isn't going to heal. Darnold seems to have played either most or the entire game. There's some disagreement as to when that injury actually happened. Like, you remember the game where he got blasted by the Falcons? You know, he took a couple of hits back-to-back. There's speculation that that hit was actually what did the shoulder, not any hit that happened against the Patriots. So potentially he was playing that entire game, with a fracture in his shoulder blade, in his throwing shoulder. Now, I don't know, like, it's not like we haven't seen Sam Darnold against Bill Belichick before and him look like a complete nightmare. So I'm not saying one caused the other, but I'm saying we might want to consider that when we're analyzing how bad he looked in that game. Like, the dude had a broken shoulder. Yeah. I I think we can do that. Look at you giving Sam Darnold a pass. A little bit. A little pass. Yeah, he tried playing banged up. It was ugly. It was yeah. not great. Now we're going to get PJ for at least a week. Cardinals a, favored by 10.5, by the way. Yeah, and I think that's probably fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, look, Sam Darnold has been bad. He's been everything you expected him to be if you watched any Jets games over the last several years. Um, he is, in fact, the same human despite the change of environment. That being said, he's better than PJ Walker is. And there's a group of people that saw P.J. tear up. Was it the XFL or the AAF? I can never remember which guy was in which league. Yeah, um, I'm losing track as well. There's a bunch of people that saw him like tear up that league, sort of, and are really excited about what P.J. can do in the NFL. I would say to those people, no. No. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to be a thing. They have just signed Cam Newton. Um, P.J.'s... His tenure as the starting quarterback of this team is probably going to last a week, and it would almost certainly Did be Did they a, just sign Cam? Yeah. Is it official? Yeah. It'll almost certainly be a very, oh, yeah, there it is. very bad week. So you're wow. going to get one ugly game of PJ, and then Cam Newton is going to start. Cam is back in Carolina to make a little playoff run. Cam is back. I'm, uh, so that's interesting. Uh, the other part of this game, it's 10.5 with Colt McCoy still probably expected to start. Right. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, not spotted at practice. You do have A.J. Green back off the COVID list, so he will play or he's available. 10.5 for a Colt McCoy-led team. The other Here's the Panthers' defense this year. They have only given up more than – or just the team as a, as a whole. They've only given up more than 20, uh, 20 points three times. More than 22 points three times. Patriots last week was 24. There was a pick six in there. Um, So they've really only been bad defensively against the Minnesota Vikings and the Dallas Cowboys. Two pretty good offenses, good quarterbacks and everything like that. Against the Jets, Saints, Texas, everybody else that they've played, they've kept a couple teams to single digits, under 20. So if this was the the Kyler Murray-led Arizona Cardinals, I would say Panthers haven't really slowed down good offenses yet. Give me the Cardinals. But Colt McCoy, as great as he was last week, with three and a half average depth of target, you know, I don't – this is making me think it's going to be a little bit closer, even with P.J. It's P.J. versus Colt. This is the thing. It's P.J. versus Colt, and Colt McCoy is by far the better quarterback. By far. P.J. has shown flashes. Yeah. 
flashes. This is the your your this is the Sam Darnold argument again. Flashes can show up in a game. This is in a one game setting. Flashes can show up. We are reliving the Sam Darnold nightmare only with PJ again. Like yeah. PJ is the worst college, one of the worst college quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life at Temple. Now we're going back quite a way now, but like he's still the same guy. Like okay, okay, yeah, he can make some great plays. That's why he's in the NFL. But not enough that you're you're going to win with him as a starting NFL quarterback against the Cardinals, who are still really good. Colt McCoy is much better than P.J. Walker. And that's why it's a 10-point swing. Like, Did they just get Cam on the field as a red zone uh, run game threat? I mean, if you can craft a Cam Newton package in like two days, I yes, that helps. I doubt you can, though. Oh, man, this is a tough one to call. Arizona moved the ball really well last week. It was against the Niners. I think. I think with Colt McCoy. I think the I'm going, I'm going Carolina here. I think the Panthers are going to give them a bigger uh, some issues defensively to keep it close. Hmm. Panthers are going to keep it close. So you're relying essentially on the Panthers' defense limiting the Cardinals to under the point spread. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be uh, thirteen to six. Thirteen to six. Thirteen to six. Uh, Arizona wins. All right. How's that? Fine. Yeah. You got Arizona here. Yeah. Team Colt. Yeah. More, more Colt McCoy. Not so much points. Team Colt as more Team Not PJ. Team Not PJ. Who do you like better, PJ Walker or Sam Darnold? Darnold? Don't mean to put you on the spot, but. I mean, Darnold is a better quarterback than PJ. That's why he's ahead of him on the depth chart. At least you acknowledge that. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Indianapolis Colts. Colts by 10.5 against the team that just beat the Bills 9 to 6 last <laughs> Yeah. So. I love college football and all that stuff, but do you, do you understand how ridiculous college football is that all of the discussions have to be like, how good is this conference and how, and this team beat that team by that? Like, imagine if we had to do that in the NFL. Well, the entire, like, the entire playoff structure is based off these conversations that are patently idiotic. Yes. This team just it's beat this brutal. team, therefore they're like, you, what? It's brutal. I love college football, but man, like the fact you have, oh, the ACC is strong. No, the SEC is better. Let me tell you about the Big Ten. And like, it's just a painful yeah, like if you conversation were, trying to say who the best team if is. If you were drawing up playoff seating, factoring in the fact that Jacksonville beat Buffalo, you would be A, an idiot, and B, losing your mind by the end yeah. of it. Like, could Buffalo go win the Super Bowl? Yeah, like Buffalo could go win the Super Bowl this year, and you look back at their season and be like, wow, they've lost to the Jaguars 9-6. to That's yeah. brutal. Anyway. Uh, that's why, you know, Vegas still says, uh, despite all that, despite what happened last week, despite the Jaguars upsetting the Bills 9-6 to with a great defensive effort and the great Josh Allen, 10.5, give me the Colts, right? That's what the, that's what, uh, the Vegas man is saying. Man, we're only a few days away from Urban Meyer's good mood disappearing. <laughs> Urban Meyer is, uh, we're just... So you were talking about, like, what does, what's, we were talking about, like, what's the building like and all that stuff? Yeah. I also think they should post... You know, like positive, undefeated in November and stuff like that's the type of motivational stuff that you would use in college, right? So that's so there's probably like a bunch of signs like Jacks haven't lost in, in November this year. Yeah, undefeated. I think number uh, one seed in November. Like my sister's high school was selling a T-shirt that's like uh, you know whatever the school was called football undefeated since like 2003 because that's when they canceled their football program. Ooh, I like it. I mean, that's the kind of thing that's, that the Jags could be doing. That's like UMass Lowell. Yeah. We haven't lost a football game since we got rid of the program in 02 yeah. when I was there. Undefeated since 02. Which was sad. It was so sad being at a school with no football team. Yeah. I was on the chain gang. I used to work the chain gang. You were on the chain games. gang. Yeah. You, a you know giant monster of a human, was not playing football. Nope. You were operating the chains. Nope. 
one of my teammates played football as well. He played yeah. pitcher slash uh, linebacker. So I'd see him over there, and I'd be, like, a, yeah. I'd be holding the clip. I'd be on the sideline. Hey, what's up, Dave? Just holding the clip here. Wow. Clip guy. I was going to say not a multi-sport athlete, but of course you were. You were a basketball player as well. Yeah. Kind I of. did not play college basketball. No, 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 no. I mean in high school. Yeah, in high school I played, I played basketball. Yeah. And then in college, uh, we, did, we did win multiple flag football championships. So that's <laughs> two sport. <laughs> That, that doesn't count as an extra sport. You can't be sure like, I'm a multi-sport athlete. I played flag. Flag football side. domination. Stop. No. What a time. The 04 Fat Boys. We won. We did it. We called the Fat Boys. Yeah. That was like okay. pretty telling. Looking forward to my life here. Uh, Jags at the Colts. Ten and a half. What are you looking for in this one? Uh, uh, you don't have any notes. No, I got nothing. <laughs> I'm kidding. You do. You do. I do? What have I got? Uh, you want to see Carson Wentz. Oh. Bounce back. Okay. I want to see this Colts offense, right? See what uh, – if they could keep it going. Uh, they've been a lot more explosive. I mean, they just – I mean, I know they just dominated the Jets. You see there's a Twitter account keeping track of the snaps that Carson Wentz is playing relative to that first-slash-second-round pick that they going to give up? I have not seen that. I am not surprised in the least. There is. And it's definitely going to be a first-round pick. Yeah, of <laughs> just – they, they've actually, like, passed up opportunities to get him out of the game, which if you were, like, shaving snaps to try and avoid that or at least stay in the running, you would be doing. I don't think teams think about it like that. It's one thing. I, it was, it, I think they only think of the conditional second versus first as an insurance policy. It's, this guy's been hurt a lot, plays 75% of the snaps. We want him to play 75% of the snaps. We're happy to give the first rounder if he plays. Now, if they lose a few more games and they're out of playoff contention by week 15 yeah. – do they sit him week 16, 17, 18? Sure. That's I where I that. think they would definitely consider it. it. It does seem slightly strange to me, though, that, you know, you're not – that isn't informing your decision about, like, when to pull the starters from a game. You know? Sure, it, it's not like you should be going out of your way to, like, you know, pull him for a couple of snaps, get the backup in. There's a couple we don't have to – It's just – it's a loser mentality, though. But, Sam. like, is it's it? A, it's a loser no, mentality. you're automatically being like, we've won this game. It's in hand. Like, we no longer need our starters out Yeah, you would take field. him out for the QB kneels. I mean, if you really want to game – Not even just the QB kneels, but, like, three minutes left in the game. We're up 21. Like, yes. this game is won, right? They have been leaving him in the games in those situations. That – I don't understand. If like, you're how would you not be like? Because if you're, that's that's like the whole tank discussion. If you're, no, it taking, isn't. Yes, because you're winning. If you're taking Carson Wentz out, so if if you think you're a playoff team, which the Colts should be, yes. if you think you're a playoff team, then he's absolutely going to play all the snaps. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna be over seventy five percent of the snaps. But you were acknowledging like the, it's different to tanking because the tanking thing is like you are actively trying not to win to no, do this. It's, it's the, different this, because you're you're, you're hedging, saying. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna on the off chance, which I don't believe as a Colts exact, on the off chance that we're out of contention in week fifteen or sixteen, if we shave a few of these snaps, no, he keeps then we'll get under the seventy five percent snap. I don't mark think it's even that by sitting him the last three or four games. You are saying that this game is won. There is no reason for you to be out there. And if you're not, we get some snaps back in this thing where if you get injured or if something happens unforeseen and you end up missing a couple of games, all of a sudden we actually have a chance of turning a first-round pick into a second-round pick that we're giving up. There's no downside to this. It's, it's not like tanking. It's just smart, and they're not doing it. I would, still, I, would, yeah, I would consider it, and I would consider a couple, you know, a wildcat snap or two. Well, you can uh, do that because you've got to get rid of the backup every time he goes on the field. Because Carson's not going to deal well with that. 
You think you think that's gonna? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Every time Ellinger or whoever the next Ellinger is, you, you think it hurts Carson's feelings? Yeah, yeah. Like the hurts thing. Uh huh. Hurts, Carson, hurts. Take a seat. This guy's gonna go out there and run a wildcat play. All of a sudden, Carson like he's what my back what my backups on the field. Ugh, I can't know. And now you got to get rid of him. Why do you think Jacob Eason's not there anymore? <laughs> I was actually surprised that they they let him go. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm surprised Ellinger's still there. He got a wildcat snap the other day. True. Did you know the Colts, 31 points, their last four games, 31, 30, 31, 45. That's the Colts' last four games, one of them in a raining river. A raining river. I'm going to rename it every single time. Yeah. There was a river above the stadium in San Francisco that was dropping water on the field. It's a raining river. Yeah. Uh, so pretty impressive what they've done offensively. I expect more of that. Again, Michael Pittman emerging as a true number one. Naheem Hines was uncoverable against the Jets, as was everybody else. And um, Urban's jealous. He's jealous of the Colts coming off a 250-250 game. Yeah, true. Passing yards, rushing yards. Yep. So, and critically, uh, Colts are hot. We finally were seeing that offensive line. We've been saying it for like eight weeks. They never got their offensive line. The starting five that we expected them to have going into the season, they had never played together. Finally, they play together, and all of a sudden, 250-250. The Colts have a top three offensive line in the NFL. They dominate on the ground. That's why Jonathan Taylor is running through these giant holes. It's a great pass-blocking unit as well. Carson Wentz is going to have the best platform he's had to succeed. That genuinely makes the Colts a different proposition to what they were in those first eight weeks. Plus, you're not going to have Josh Allen as motivated this week in, for the Jags. That's like, oh, you got it's only Carson Wentz. Yeah. Who cares? Well, yeah. I mean, he's he's already reclaimed his name. There's no, you can't do it again. With Sam Darnold out, Ginger Talent all in Wentz's favor here too. Uh, Darnold's out. Anyone else to Dalton claim it? isn't there. Who uh, Cooper Rush is on the bench, so he's not claiming it. Yes. So yeah. Carson Wentz two weeks ago had the the lefty throw from the end zone the on the day Cooper Rush played football. Coincidence? Cooper Rush stole Maybe. the ginger talent for one week, but unless we Dak gets hurt and Cooper Rush comes in, it's yeah. all Wentz's to be had, and that is the deciding factor. The Colts will cover this ten and a half. You? Yeah. Not buying the Jags' 9-6 to six win last week? No. Okay. All right, two more games to uh, get through slash discuss. Uh, Detroit Lions at the Pittsburgh Steelers. This was the game. This was the game in the preseason that had me convinced Big Ben was back. Yeah. I was wrong, How but the Steelers work? are back. They're, uh, they're winning football games, and uh, their fans are real excited that they're about to go 6-3 and three on the season. Do the Lions have a shot? Is this the game? The Lions can't lose every game, Sam. Is this the game that they win? What do you mean they can't lose every game? They They've already lost every game once before. That was years ago. Yeah, when Dan was playing. In a 16-game schedule. Sorry. I got this. Can you... Like, we have a meeting in 10 minutes. We got to get... Yeah? I mean, it's about the podcast, but, you know. Oh, that was what the uh, update was. All right. Um, Harry set, like, 30 alarms yesterday that I had to unset. Like, he's, he's taken the joke a little bit too far. I don't understand how you can't just mute the thing. Like, there's not, like, a quiet button or something. I've got it on as low as possible. Is there something else I need to... We don't have time to start investigating why you can't use an iPad. Um, I don't want the alarms going off anyway. Yeah, Dan has already been 0-16 as a player. Dan Campbell. Now he's chasing 0-16 as a coach. And I wish him luck. 0-17. 0-17, true. Yeah, that would be a record. 
man, that would be even worse. The only guy in history to be undefeated or un- winless twice, and you did it with a different number because they increased the number of games. That would Call suck. Lions upset this week. Come on. Yeah. Lions upset? How yeah. are they upsetting the Steelers? They're going to um, – the Steelers' yeah. offense is really bad. Right. The giant, Chase uh, the, Claypool's hurt. Uh-huh. He's banged up. The Detroit defense is really bad. Oh, I understand. Both sides of the ball yeah. are not great. All you need is a couple random big-time throws from Jared Goff, <laughs> TJ Hawkinson working the middle of the field. Why is it only eight and a half? Knowing what you know about the Lions and the, the, the Steelers, Steelers aren't five good. And three. They're not good? No. That was the question that they posed on uh, radio yesterday. Like, they are ranked, the Steelers good? Uh, and it's like, it seems like everybody's like, I guess, kind of, reluctantly. Yeah, they rank you know. 29th in, offensive, uh, in our offensive team rankings. They're behind Detroit on offense. The difference is that they have. That's the, why Detroit has a chance to win here. The difference is that they have the number six ranked defense, and Detroit is thirty second. I understand it, but Detroit for the rest of the season is going to pick a couple Super Bowls to play. They played the Super Bowl Rams game yeah. a couple weeks ago. They're that was their pick one at Pittsburgh. Here they're going to Super Bowl it. Why would you not pick the one that you actually have a shot of winning to be your Super Bowl? They'd have, you think they had a shot at beating the Rams? No, no, no. That like that one was their one Super Bowl. That was like the Jared Goff revenge game that they needed to sh- you know to prove that they could hang and they pour all jar like that was their super bowl the pittsburgh game like if you were identifying super bowl games on the roster why would you pick this one or on the schedule rather why would you pick this one i don't know but it's this week detroit's coming in they're covering the eight and a half Stop. they're gonna give it they're gonna make it a game no no they're not it's time for jared goff to just know where the sun rises and get after it it was time for jared goff to do that weeks ago no it's he time didn't. I said he's he's tank proof, and I need to be proven right at some point here. It's tough You've to tank with Jared. Already Goff. been proven wrong. I have been. Um, take Detroit this week. The Steelers' defense is still very good. They have Cameron Hayward. They have T.J. Watt. That should be enough alone to prevent any kind of Jared Goff superhero antics. The end. Minka Fitzpatrick's going to get caught out of coverage again a couple times. Big some big plays behind Minka. That's what's happening. In this one, we they need they do some weird things with Minka that we need to like figure out. Like why why is he opening to the close side when he's a single high safety? Like things like that. I don't understand. Some of the, there's some nuanced things here where yeah, schematically they are doing some weird things where normally safeties would be turning one way, he's going the other right. way. There's and if it happened once, you'd be like, okay, that's a mistake from Minka. But it's happening every time, so you're like, okay, there's they're clearly coaching that. There are some but subtleties. I don't understand why. Um, he's also he's just been a step late on a lot of plays. Not not so much in recent weeks. He's just been a step late on a lot of plays. He had a big hit against Justin Fields. There's a lot of hype around Minka because he's he is all around the field. He makes a lot of plays around the field. But I think a lot of his negative plays have been hidden this year. They come back to bite in this one. I'm taking Detroit. You got Pittsburgh? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, take it Pittsburgh. I mean, the refs gave him that game the other night. So yeah, they're they're balling. They're great. The refs gave them that game. Man, I can't believe I've went that way. Yeah. It was just a rough ref game. I don't even even the taunting. Forget the taunting for a minute. Taunting was pretty terrible. They over they overcame that. But they, like, they they released a video trying to justify that taunting call. You're like, stop, stop embarrassing yourself. You're just like, it's the call is bad enough. Trying to justify it is even worse. The pass interference and other stuff that was in there. All right, Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets. Buffalo favored with a their favorites by more than double digits again for the third straight week. Bills at the Jets Having favored just by lost nine to six. Favored by thirteen. Now this is the Mike White Jets. Yeah. It's the Mike White-led Jets. So this is the one monster point spread that I think has a real shot of going the other way. Not like the Jets win, but 
but that this could actually be a lot closer. Yeah. One, Mike White Jets, different proposition. Different proposition than the Zach Wilson Jets might not be a different proposition to the Josh Johnson Jets. Point is, Zach Wilson isn't playing, therefore the Jets are better, um, which is not a tremendously encouraging thing to say if you're a Jets fan, just generally, but these are the facts. Uh, two, Buffalo was terrible last week in the Josh Allen, Josh Allen game. Uh, three, I think the Bills are starting to get the same treatment that the Kansas City Chiefs have been getting all year long in terms of any quarterback that plays like Josh Allen, like Patrick Mahomes, teams are starting to say, we're going to play coverage everywhere. We're going to play two high shells, four high shells. We are going to make you be patient and win in a frustrating, ugly way of, of playing offense. And I think both Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are not good at doing that. It's not that they can't, but I think both those guys get frustrated when they're forced to play essentially boring football on offense in a way that certain other quarterbacks don't. They have the discipline to just be boring. If being boring is the way you win the game, being boring is what we're going to do. I don't think Mahomes or Josh Allen like doing that. And I think when they're forced to be boring, they make mistakes. The problem is the Jets are bad. have to execute that. Yeah. Um, they were the team. Is, a lot of that is alignment, though. Like, okay, it's easier to execute that when you have good players. On the other hand, simply sticking a guy in an area of the field discourages certain throws. Sure. Um, this is one of the – there's a lot of uh, preseason takes that come back to bite us. There's other ones that get confirmed. I mean, the idea that the Jets had made a lot of their roster better – I think it was true. You honestly didn't get to see a ton of that other than, hey, a nice Titans game and what they did against the Bengals, right? You didn't get to see a ton of that. But the thing that held true was their secondary and their back seven was a massive question mark, and that is the case. So as much as we're talking about the Colts, the team that ran for 250 and passed for 250, well, the Jets were the team that gave it up. Yeah. So a lot of weaknesses on the defensive side of the ball. And one of their strengths was supposed to be their defensive line. And I don't know if they're just not playing to the strengths of uh, the guys up front, Quinnen Williams, Folo Fadakasi, who's been just awesome. He's sitting free agency as one of the better, you know, just massive nose tackles against the run. But they have not been nearly as effective in the run game in that system. Perhaps they're trying to get upfield too much, whatever it is, but they are getting just destroyed up front and on the back end. I don't know if they can stop this Bills. Team. I mean, they got annihilated by the Indianapolis Colts. On the other hand, the Buffalo Bills offensive line has actually been below average this year. They haven't been good. They don't like running the ball anyway. Again, yeah. they're in the same boat as the Chiefs. They don't want to play the game that way. So the Jets, I think, are going to be pretty well placed to essentially force them into playing that game plan again that they just don't like doing. And they might be able to run the ball reasonably effectively if they did it, but they don't do it that much. And they certainly don't have the offensive line that can do to the Jets what the Colts were doing. Like, Fatakasi was, was destroyed in that game in a way that I don't I know that I've ever seen that happen to him before. The Bills simply do not have the players to achieve the same thing. He's been getting caught up field more than he normally was. I mean, again, I don't know He was know also just getting blown or, off the yeah. ball, like completely taken five yards off the line of scrimmage. That Something's doesn't happen to that guy. And it certainly doesn't happen when you're talking about the Bills' offensive line. Something is off with him. Here's my, uh, my Bills question. Championship caliber team. How do they respond here? They, they really slept, sleep, slept, walk, sleepwalked? <laughs> What's the uh, past tense? They were sleepwalking through the Miami mm. game. 3-3 uh, three to three into the fourth quarter. They did pull away late. 
They scored nine points, six points last week against the Jags. A championship-caliber team, the type of roster that they have, how do they bounce back this week against really two underwhelming efforts? And that was after they lost to the Titans on Monday Night Football as well. How do they bounce back? And that's all been since the big Chiefs win on Sunday Night Football. So I want to see that. But I think, I think it's a championship-caliber Bills team. They'll respond. Um, but I could see the, the Jets offense having a little bit of success and keeping it close. Now I'm back and forth on it, though. I think Bills they, defense is legit, though. I think the Jets cover. No, give me the Bills. Give me the Bills. Championship level bounce back. That's what we're calling here. And just to, uh, you know, go a little different than you. Give me the Bills in this one. Okay. They're going to look a lot better. Um, do you want to have it? Do you have any other thoughts on the Cam Newton signing before we, uh, before we check out here? Yeah, it's a good thing. It's the, I mean, he's the best quarterback on the roster, even if Darnold's healthy. You're just excited we don't get more than one week of P.J. Walker sure yeah nobody wants to see that trust me how much here's my question how much of an upgrade is cam newton over sam darnold significant now sam had those three good weeks he's been really bad since that point can the panthers they're four and five the top of the nfc is pretty locked up but can they actually make a playoff push here yeah that seventh seed in the nfc in particular is wide the hell open anybody can go on a run of a couple of games and get that seed so the Panthers keep making these moves that say, like, we think we can make the playoffs this year. When, when If Cam takes over after this week, week 11, they yep. play the football team, the Dolphins, and the Falcons. Yep. Those are all winnable games. The Correct. problem then is the last four. At Buffalo, Tampa Bay, at New Orleans, at Tampa Bay. Yeah, so that's, that's, the, that's the problem stretch. On the other hand, the you know, maybe Buffalo continues down this w- road of struggling on offense. Maybe in the rest of those division games, you know, weird stuff can happen. Tampa Bay might not be playing for anything in that final week of the season, and New Orleans don't have a quarterback. It's uh, the twenty twenty Patriots. They also, by Stephon the way, Gilmore, Cam Newton. They also, by the way, stomped the Saints when they played them the first time. They did. Granted, you know, lack of coaches, et cetera, Eight coaches, et cetera. But like. Yes, those are definitely harder than the games that they're about to face. On the other hand, you can see a scenario whereby they're quite winnable. All right. Well, that's big news around the NFL. Cam Newton back in Carolina. A little bit of a reunion there. Um, Anyway, thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll be back Monday, as always, reviewing all of the Week 10 action. And don't forget to get the most out of your NFL weekend. You go get a PFF subscription for 25% off. It's NFL Pod. 25% off any PFF subscription over at pff.com also don't forget to uh, download and subscribe just subscribe to the pff nfl daily we'll hit you five times a week with uh, quick hitting not the long form stuff so go do that as well thanks to everybody for tuning in see you on monday